Hello and welcome to episode 13. Oh, cool. Unlucky. Um, of Roy's Rants. I'm with my on again, off again co host, Alex Ross. Hey, how's it going? Happy Friday. Have- not Friday the 13th, but happy just 13th, I guess. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I uh, turned 44 today, so I'm feeling old AF. So, you know, super fun vibes uh, today. Um, you wanted to talk about a Superman? Uh, yes, I do. Cool. I like Superman a little bit, you know, just a little bit. <laughs> just a little bit? <laughs> just a little bit. Well, you know, first off, for those of you out there all seven of you who watch this thing um superman is a superhero who appears in american comic books published by dc comics the character was created by writer jerry siegel and artist joe schuster and debuted in the comic book action comics number one cover dated june 1938 however it was published in april 18th 1938 back then they used to make those comic books they put the uh, the actual like the the month they came out you're like wait a minute this says June, but it's only April. I am so confused. Um, I always felt, I, I guess, I never really looked into that, but I'm assuming it's because it's shipped inter- internationally like or nationally. So like they just kind of pick a couple months ahead so that the last person's kind of up to date. I don't know. <laughs> that sounds right. <laughs> uh, Superman's been adapted to a number of other media, including radio serials, novels, films, television shows, theater, and video games. Very badly, I might add. So tell me why you wanted to talk about Superman. Well, uh, I think there's been a lot of talk about Superman here recently. Um, And it sounds like we're going to be seeing more of Henry Cavill's version of the character. Um, I mean, Black Adam's been out for, what, a couple weeks now? So I think that it's okay for me to say that he's in the end credits scene. Um, which has been, I mean, fans been debating on whether or not that's going to happen for the past months, for, for, for months. Yeah, one of the things I remember where there were like, there were people from DC saying, no, he's not showing up, calm down, you're getting all excited. To people going, well, I heard The Rock wants Cavill back, so, you know, he's going to push it. And so I was sitting there in the theater and I'm like, well, I'm going to stay. I don't, I don't, I didn't look it up. I didn't see if there was an end credit sequence. I enjoyed Black Adam, by the way. I thought it was perfectly fine. Um, I'm not one of those DC purists who are like, he needs those goblin ears and that hairpiece. Like I kept seeing everybody criticizing Black Adam for The Rock looking like The Rock. I'm like, it's The Rock, but whatever. I'm sitting there in the theater and they're doing this end credit scene and Waller shows up and I love Waller. Um, big Suicide Squad fan, so I, I love Amanda Waller as a character. Um, and why am I forgetting who plays her? Dang it, Viola Davis, I want to say? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, Viola Davis shows up, and, you know, Black Adam's like, you know, I, nobody can stop me. And she's like, I got friends. Like, and, oh, yeah. he's like, and he's like, send them all. Send them all. <laughs> Just this, like, was it, was it an explosion or something? Like this cloud. And, uh, you know, kind of like the super, you, you just know it's a Superman landing causing that. And uh, you see the silhouette and he just kind of comes out and there's Cavill. And not only like Cavill's gotten a little bit older since the last time he, he put on the suit. So he's a little bit, he's a little bit thinner, but he has the curl. He had the actual little spit curl. And I was like, oh, that is awesome. And, uh, you know, he's like, yeah, I'm 
hello black adam <laughs> and i'm like yay the the biggest problem i have with dc comics warner discovery whatever the hell they want to call themselves up to this past month is they've been so wishy-washy about all of their projects they they throw stuff against the wall to see if it sticks and if it doesn't they just kind of push it away and move on to the next thing it's like you guys you're a mess your stuff's a mess you know you can say what you will about justice league and Zack snyder stuff cavill as superman is phenomenal i, yeah. I love him <laughs> you know they they've had really great casting for superman you know up in recent times uh i love the original dick donner film um, to this day, I can still watch it and Superman 2 and just be tickled pink. Uh, you know, uh, shitty 70s, 80s special effects and all. Well, they were uh, revolutionary for their time. Yeah, the, the flying sequences back then were like, I, I, I want to say, you know, they had them hooked up to different types of winches and stuff and wires that nobody had ever tried before. So he could like do moves and, and move around and do things and keep, follow camera following and stuff the projector screen on one and two are pretty decent three and four well four especially are just bad but that's because that's a that's a uh, golden globus um their name their production um, company canon canon yeah canon just just trash and shit <laughs> but I, I, I do love the dynamics of everything. And John Williams' score as Superman is just... You can't beat it. You really can't. Um, trying to, like... I, I, I will even admit, like, even the corny, like, Superman of that era, like, his power set is just whatever the writers want it to be. Yeah, pretty much. Did you know that he can pull a symbol off his chest and throw it to trap other Kryptonians? I, I you know, wow, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? What was the special effect in part four that he 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 could use his laser beams to like oh, rebuild gosh. stuff? The Wall of China vision. Yeah, he has Wall of China vision. That is. I weird. always just justified that that he moved so fast that he put the wall back together. There's even like fan edits of like him doing that. Okay, that's fine, but I saw it on screen. He shot his laser beams at the wall and it rebuilt itself. You can't lie to yourself. <laughs> you gotta admit that shit. <laughs> it happened. Yeah. I, I felt bad because Christopher Reeve, um, he, he created that story in part four. That was his baby. Right, well, that was like, he wanted to do a movie called Street Smart with Morgan Freeman and he couldn't get funding for it, so he was like he so canon was like well we'll fund part of it if you return as superman and superman 4 and that was like his condition was that the funding and then he also wanted some writing credits as well and that was at the time that warner brothers really didn't have complete like I, just, I don't remember the date when warner brothers acquired dc comics i want to think it was around the same time but it's not a little bit earlier. Is that Superman 4 came out in what, 80... 87, I think. 87, 88. And I don't, I don't know when DC, I think DC was bought up by Warner prior to that. Yeah, 1987. Uh, 
so like the idea of like in our minds nowadays seeing a DC comic film not made by Warner Brothers just seems absurd but yeah um like I was just watching a little biography on Swamp Thing and I was like oh yeah not a DC not a Warner Brothers film but I think Warner Brothers distributed it in Europe um that was a United Artists picture so they they really didn't have a lot of control over Superman back then DC but I was kind of amazed that like tried to change a lot on the Superman character in those movies because I will say this you can make fun of the laser beam wall building vision you can make fun of the chest shield emblem thing but Superman went through a phase in comic books in the 60s and 70s where whatever power he needed bam he got it whatever the writers wanted him to do he wanted to make multiples of himself whatever you know kryptonite could turn him into an ant monster these are crazy times (laughs) yeah definitely one of the things that I have always been mad about with the Superman in the 80s was the fact that Superman 3 was supposed to be Brainiac and instead they went with generic computer guy uh, or generic computer program and a Lex Luthor knockoff because I think at the and time Richard Pryor yeah and Richard Pryor I, I, I mean Richard Pryor is, is Richard Pryor so I love Richard Pryor he it's horrible for him to be in a Superman movie because it's like this is this really has made Superman a complete joke but it does the synthetic kryptonite making it evil right. Superman. Superman 3 does have its moments I do prefer it over Superman Returns because at least I'm not bored um, <laughs> I mean the stuff in Smallville like all the stuff with Clark Kent is great like and you know Reeves is oh. great as the character yeah. I like Annette O'Toole as Lana Lang she's probably my favorite Lana Lang um well, I, I think the funny thing as even as a kid I always felt that um oh what's her name Margot Kidder she was really rough as Lois like I always felt like I knew I knew Lois was a no-nonsense kind of gal but when I met when we met Lana for the first time in part three and, and mind you I wasn't reading comic books at the time I was it was let's see this this one came out in 87 Richard Pryor's Superman 3 I I, I didn't look it up. Uh, I'm guessing it was like 84, 85, something like that. Um, I was I was too young to really get into comic book comic books at the time. I was very Saturday morning cartoon, you know, He-Man, G.I. Joe, Transformers. So like the comic book stuff, I didn't evolve into that until my teens. So I didn't know who Lana Lang was. I didn't know about the history. I was very fresh with it. And I just felt like a Neto tool, like... As a kid, I was like, she's cuter. <laughs> uh, never mind the fact that later on she ends up being Ma Kent, which is kind of weird to me. <laughs> yeah, well, that's why I think that was part of the reason she got cast in Smallville. And Smallville did that a lot, where they cast, like, legacy actors right. from Superman myth- mythos in the show. I mean, Dean Cain made an appearance, so did Christopher Reeve, and Margot Kidder herself appeared a couple of episodes um but uh i i thought annette o'toole was great in smallville as mama kit um i think i think one of the things about superman 3 um that that fight scene between clark and superman seems so incredibly violent um, it's a very dark moment for what is considered 
very lighthearted affair of a movie. But then you also kind of look at like the Brainiac woman, whatever you want to call her. Um, isn't the main bad guy's name Ross in that? Um, Ross Webster, I think, is Ross his Webster name. Or something Gosh. like that. That that's that's how that's that's how you know I'm obsessed with Superman. I, I can remember characters from <laughs> Superman three. Well, I you know I mean he has his his pushy sister, and then they had the blonde bimbo from Cheers uh, playing uh, Webster's blonde bimbo because it like it's so it's so funny how these movies are like ah we can't use the same cast members from the first movie they refuse to be in it ah just write new people who are essentially the same people be fine yeah. <laughs> No one will notice. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you know this, but originally the script for Superman One uh, was meant to be a lot more corny, like in in line with uh, the Adam West TV series. Like they had scenes like Superman going and seeing somebody that's bald on the street, and he thinks it's Lex Luthor, so he punches him, and then he realizes that oh, this is this is just a random guy. What so the? It, uh, I mean, I've watched documentaries about the, the film, and it's it's amazing what Richard Donner did by coming in and saving the movie, um, and helping to get Mario Puzo of all people to write the script. Um, you know, the writer of The Godfather. Right, I was like, um, Godfather. <laughs> so, I mean, having him as the director on Superman One and Superman Two really ele- elevated those films, um, and I. Re- you know, if he fought with the producers so hard um, because he understood the character very well, um, it's a shame he didn't get to direct Superman three and four because I, I think obviously the films would have been much better, uh, depending on the budget. If the budget would have changed for Superman four, yeah. having Donner on board, um, but. I definitely prefer the direct these director's cut of Superman two versus the theatrical version. I think it's a it's an overall better narrative. It is. It has been forever since I've watched the director's cut. Um, did uh, did Superman's? Do they show Zod and the other two? Like I seem to recall a scene of them being depowered and going to jail. <laughs> no, it's the ending is still. They the still fall to their deaths, basically. They, yeah. <laughs> okay. I I always thought that was funny. As like, you know, people are like, Superman doesn't kill. I'm like, he straight up murdered three people at the end of Superman too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I I don't love that. Um. I mean, I'm cool with non like falling to his death. That's totally his fault. Um. But I don't know. I feel like they there should. I don't know. There should the phantom. They should have just been returned to the Phantom Zone or something. Yeah, I mean, like, there was, I, then there definitely was a deleted scene, because I do remember seeing three of them in the back of a police car, it just looked so absurd, I'm like, in their disco outfit. Yeah, it's like, well, how would a police car get to the nor- North Pole? <laughs> I, well, I don't know, I can't remember if maybe Soups flew them to somewhere, like, you know, he flew Luthor back to jail, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's um, five people been- he's got to fly. <laughs> It just keeps making multiple trips. It's like, all right, you. Um, one of the one of the things that I absolutely, I, I just say I I do like parts of four. I like the idea of four. 
I, I mean, Nuclear Man looks like He-Man. It is kind of crazy. But, you know, I, I don't know. I just... It, it, it totally aggravates me that the production mindset back in the... It, and it still goes to this day. Um, we, need, we need to cut the budget. Cut the budget. Cut the budget. We'll get a bigger return. Cut the budget. And then they cut the budget. And it shows in the film... So then they get diminished returns. I'm like, you are doing this to yourselves. I, I don't know if you realize that because you have no faith in that. And, and even to this day, we still see some of that in some movies. Like I just, I, I can't even believe it, but I saw there is a sequel to 47 Ronin that takes place in modern times. It just came out. I'm like what? The Keanu Reeves movie? Yes, it is a sequel to that movie. It has the same lettering and everything. And I'm like, why? Huh. I mean, there's a part of me that's like the cynic in me is going, I'm betting that either A, the script for this movie had absolutely nothing to do with 47 Room, just the company that bought it was like, let's slap the name on it, or B, this was originally going to be a Keanu Reeves project, but obviously they couldn't afford him, so they kept slashing the budget, slashing the budget, and morphed into some direct-to-stream pile of garbage. It's likely partially what you said in the first part, and then a lot of times these studios, if they don't use a property they'll lose the rights to it and then somebody else will get it so they don't want to lose the rights so they make straight to dvd sequels for super cheap it's and use it as a tax write-off right yeah it's so it's so cynical that i just can't it's it's like the roger corman fantastic four movie i'm like you you incredible asshole casting these people making them think this movie's going to premiere Oh yeah, only because you you know damn well you're gonna shelve it. I mean, Batgirl's one thing, Fantastic Four. It was pretty much like Corman could probably look at Zaz- Zazlov and be like, "I've been doing that shit since the '80s, pal." <laughs> yeah, I feel like we could do an entire episode on the Roger Corman Fantastic Four, and I feel like that would be a lot of fun. It would be. We'll have to we'll have to figure that. I have to rewatch the bootleg. Wondering if I could find it on YouTube still. I had I had a DVD copy of it a long time ago. That's the one thing I miss. Like I know we're getting off topic, but I miss going to conventions and seeing all those guys with their VHS tapes and their DVD bootlegs, and they're like playing some Japanese movie on the TV that like has some crazy, insane amount of violence you'll never see here in the West. And you, you know, you know what I'm talking about, right? It's, it's yeah, the, it's a balding overweight middle-aged dude he's kind of scuzzy he's kind of slimy but he has the latest godzilla bootleg and you know you need to it you need to get it and unfortunately like 20 freaking dollars for a badly burned copy on a dvd with inkjet printer uh paper art on the sleeve <laughs> yeah God, <I> missed <laughs> are they not allowed to do that anymore it's well number one a lot of crackdowns on that stuff i can tell you right now like I want to say a good 10, 15 years ago, Toho cracked down majorly on guys selling Godzilla bootlegs. Okay. They would they would actually send people out to like the major comic cons and even some of the smaller ones, buying bootlegs and then catching them. And, wow. Uh, finding them and stuff like that, if not arresting them. Um, but also the digital age, streaming and everything, it's it's probably dec- it's decimated that market now because you know everybody's like well, i'll just tour in it i don't care i'll rip it i don't care you know so 
had to have died. They they probably once they saw Netflix blow up and noticed that streaming was becoming and, and YouTube was like getting clearer and clearer. You know what I mean? And longer video form. I bet the bootleggers knew their time was coming. I have not really seen two. I I'm, I mean, look at it this way. I can turn on Tubi TV now and watch Freddy's Nightmares for crying out loud. Tubi's great. I love Tubi. Tubi is literally the bootleg guy, but he doesn't charge me anything. <laughs> yeah, you just have to watch commercials. So it's just like watching uh, regular TV for us old guys. Yeah. So, you know, changing the market, you know, it just kind of kind of ruined it. But I still miss it. I still miss it. I, I love bootlegs. I love bootleg artwork on on um, DVD and VHS cases. They were always fun. So we so talked you, about Chris. Oh, sorry. I was, I was going to ask if we could go through each, you know, live action or uh, interpretation of of the character from Kirk Allen all to way all the way to Henry Cavill and Tyler Hoechlin. Well, you you can talk about the early stuff. I um, my 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 stuff starts like I never really watched the George Reeves stuff. I know about his um, tragic. Uh, tragic ending and everything but yeah um, like i know about christopher reeves i used to watch the adventures of superboy on syndication a little time after the superman movies but i can't remember who the hell played in those uh gerard christopher superboy two, two actors played superboy i i think gerard christopher played him in seasons two through the final season i can't remember um who played him in season one i might have i might be getting the actors backwards i i mean i can tell you right now there was i want to say john newton because it says clark kent he played clark kent yeah john newton was the first one i guess yeah and then gerard christopher here's here's what i remember about that show it was hammy it was also trying to be serious sometimes, especially when they got to the second season, I want to say, where Lex Luthor, they, they, they had a young Lex Luthor in the first season or so. Right. And it was goofy, silly, whatever. And he had a, he had a boneheaded sidekick. Um, and so the boneheaded sidekick would, would always kind of foul stuff up. But by the second season, Lex decides to basically fake his death i think at first yes and get plastic surgery <laughs> become this character played by sherman howard who is a much better lex luthor yeah um and kill his sidekick like right off the bat he's like screw you you can't be around you know my secret so yeah that show sure did it i mean i i've only read a couple of superboy comics and uh for a lot of people they don't know that superboy didn't used to be a separate character it used to be clark kent as a teenager right. um, and uh that show did a decent job of adapting some of the stories from the comics like it being clark's fault that lex lost his hair it's just i mean you know silly stories but i mean at least they they you know stuck pretty close to the comics i i remember like see that's the thing it's like uh for me i guess second season i was all about that lex luthor because i only remember stuff about lex i don't remember 
I remember Stacy Heidick. I don't know how to pronounce her last name as Lana Lang. I remember, I remember that. I remember yeah. her. She really, I, I must have had a crush on her or something because I'm like, man, I remember her. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I really was all about that Lex Luthor because he just seemed like such a great slimy villain. That guy, I, and every time I see him in other things, like, you know, he shows up from time to time in, in guest spots and TV shows. I'm like, he's the bad guy. I can tell you right now, he's the bad guy. <laughs> and sure enough, yeah, he's the bad guy. I'm like, yeah, because that guy oozes villain. So you've not you've not seen the uh, Superman serial starring Kirk Allen? I have not watched the serials. Okay, I, I've seen them both. Um, I mean, when when did those come out? What what time period were those? I believe it was 1940 and 1942, uh, around that time. Um, and the cool thing about those is whenever Superman would fly, he would be animated like it would be a cartoon um i think i've seen that actually i can just kind of vividly see in my mind him making a pose like he kind of haunches his legs and then as he leaps it's just kind of like transfers to a cartoon like right which it's a cool effect i mean i think it's more effective than if they would have tried to have kirk allen on wires i I mean for me you know at that era i was a max fleischer guy i'd be more into the max fleischer cartoons than those are great too. The live action ones. That, um, the the materials are is... difficult to get through because there's like 20 episodes for each serial. Um, <laughs> but I mean, if you're a hardcore Superman fan, you haven't seen it, I would recommend it, especially if you like the George Reeves show. I gotcha. Um, and George Reeves was good as the character too. I've only seen a handful of episodes. Um, like I know like the show negatively impact his personal life um but it seemed like he cared enough that if there were young fans that wanted to take a picture with him because he was superman that he was at least nice about it um but i mean obviously we didn't get a great superman until christopher reeve came around and i mean all the actors have been solid in their own way but christopher it's christopher reeve I mean, left a very large shadow that hasn't really been and probably never will be surpassed. Well, I, I think part of it is it's it's not even it's not even the over it's it's not his it's not his looks, which I mean he does look the part. It's literally how he carries himself. It's literally how he delivers the lines. You believe it. Right. You believe this guy really does want the best for all mankind and will stand up to the bad guy. Like it just, it it, it very much uses the positivity. And, and you know, like this, you know, Gerard Christopher, Dean Kane, they've they've all you know contributed parts and had different parts of play. But something about Christopher was like lightning in a bottle. Right. That you know, I feel like. And I will say this, as much as Superman Returns is boring, and we'll get to that, I think Brandon Ralph also did a great job filling those shoes. Um, and I think Cavill also has that. So I, I feel like for, for movie Superman, we've done pretty good casting-wise. Right, we've been pretty I agree. Fortunate. Uh, you can actually watch The Adventures of Superboy on HBO Max. Uh, Zaslav has not cut it yet. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I think my... <laughs> also be on amazon prime too i i could be wrong or maybe it's gone by now because that's how i watched it 
Um, I don't know, because like I, I did remember because I, I I saw it on HBO Max and I was like, man, I got to see that scene where young Lex becomes old Lex and he becomes psychotic and the show gets really dark. <laughs> right. Yeah, where he's in the lab. <laughs> yeah, and there's like you know they they've got like tarantulas and spiders or tarantulas and snakes just chilling, hanging around because that's what you do. That's what you do in labs. You just have those things just on hand. You never know. Yeah, I mean, like you said, Reeve had a very a commitment to the character and in interviews where he talks about playing the character he talks about how he changes his body language depending on whether he's clark kent or chris or um superman um i mean he slouches when he's clark kent um he obviously speaks differently um he parts his hair in a different way i mean it, it's very easy to believe that those are two separate people and i mean the one thing the thing that kirk allen and george reeves didn't really do was separate the two characters and make them completely different right i mean at the same time you can i mean if you look close enough like yeah that's it uh that is that is you know and that's kind of like going on to the next one um we've got uh lois and clark right uh, did you like that show um let's just say i watched that show um i i never i never loved it but you know at the time it's what we had <laughs> yeah for superman um and and lois is adorable uh let's well see. terry hatcher's a great lois lane yeah um you got Dean Kane, Terry Hatcher. You got Lane Smith as Perry White. I liked him as Perry White. Oh yeah, he's he's a lot of fun. And um, I thought that Jimmy Olsen in season one was way superior to the one they hired for seasons two through four. You didn't like Justin Whalen? No, I just I don't know. I just something about him was you know nothing against the actor personally. I just didn't like his portrayal. Um, I I, I, I liked I think I liked him mainly because he reminded me he, he I think he played um, Andy in Child's Play three. Okay. Um, so I was like, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> um, and the thing I like about Dean Kane as Clark Kent is that he feels like, I mean, I love Christopher Reeves' portrayal of Clark Kent, obviously, um, but Dean Kane's Clark Kent feels like. A real person, um, I guess, would be the way I would put it. Uh, especially in season one, I think season one is really solid. Um, I think the writing in that show for season one was really good, um, and obviously the cast is great. I mean, it's not action packed; it's more of a a, a dramedy at times, um, but it has its moments. Well, I think I think one of the th- things you can say there is like well Christopher Reeves I do love that classic you know version of Clark where it's like oh gee golly Miss Lane oh I do uh, too whereas Dean was it was a little bit modern because they they knew they were going this show was not going to be a Superman show this is a this is a romantic this is moonlighting this is a romantic comedy that also happens to have superhero antics in it um which you know at the time kid version of me I watched it to see the Superman stuff. I was like, can we get to the Superman stuff already? You know? Um, so that that was that was my feeling. I'm sure if I sat down and watched it now, I'd probably find a little bit more appreciation for it. Like I said, yeah. I think I think Lane Smith is Perry. I distinctly remember him as Perry. 
Yeah. Um, I distinctly remember Eddie Jones and Jonathan Kent. I distinctly remember that second Jimmy Olsen. And now that you mentioned it, I remember the first Jimmy Olsen too. Um, the one guy that I think is kind of funny, and, and it does it, it does stick with me, John Shea as Lex Luthor. He's this sexy, suave, like looking fella. I was like, damn, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people don't like him as Lex Luthor, but I, I thought he was pretty good. Like he did that a good job of being like well, sort of a politician where like to the public he's super nice and likable but it's like when you he's one-on-one with a person he's like an evil conniving sob right which is which is the um so in the comic books they did do a thing like superboy where lex faked his death um what he did was he made a younger clone of himself basically Right. Um, and that younger clone had ravishing red hair. He was like, he's got this beard. He's like, just, he's he, early 90s Lex Luthor was sexy, as sexy as all hell. Um, and yet, you know, it started, you, you started to figure out that he was Lex Luthor pretty early on. Like, he, he gave it away that, you know, he's not, it's not the son, it's actually him. Yeah. Uh, so, that that persona of Lex, I can see where it's abrasive to most of the public because Gene Hackman's version of Lex. Let, let me just—I I did forget to say that I am not thrilled with Gene Hackman's version of Lex Luthor in the movie. Me neither. Um, you know the, the greatest mind, criminal mind of the century. Um, Gene Hackman in—I want to say—was either Tombstone or Unforgiven. Unforgiven. Unforgiven, where he plays a guy who runs the town, and he thinks he's the good guy, but he's very horrible. I think also right. Quick and the Dead, he kind of played that too a little bit. It was a little bit more hammy or Quick and the Dead, but yeah, I, that version of Gene Hackman right there—if you could channel that into Lex Luthor, the guy who thinks he's right and and does these things to get the public to adore him—I think that Lex Luthor, Gene Hackman, would have been awesome. I agree. Not just a guy like I'm gonna make. Uh, new California. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and that, and I will, you know, once we get to Superman Returns, we'll talk about that Lex Luthor as well. <laughs> now, yeah. Now in a very uh, troubled <laughs> actor. But so, I mean, after Lois and Clark comes Smallville, that's the next thing. Right. Um, Smallville's first season the monster of the week clearly ripping off uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer was pretty rough. It, yeah. Because it was just like, we we know what you're doing. You're doing Buffy, but it's small. Because they had this whole idea of the kryptonite making mutant monsters in Smallville. And uh, it kind of... I, I, I'm really surprised that show made it past season one, to be honest with you. Um, I feel like I feel like fit from the fact that people were really starving for Buffy the Vampire content, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer content. So you know, but I do like I do like the, the cast: Tom Welling and Michael Rosenbaum. I actually listen to Rosenbaum's podcast from time to time. Yeah, I do too. Uh, they're actually doing a rewatch podcast for Smallville. Him and Tom Welling. Okay, um, how do you how do you do that with Allison Mack in there and not talk about Nexum? Uh, they talked about it a little bit, and okay. I'm sh- um, like they get that, they get, they, get they, the, they move different time to time. Um, 
but gotta, I mean, you got to talk about the elephant in the room there. Like, yeah, so she was in a sex cult. <laughs> but I mean, I don't think either she wasn't during the show or they didn't know. Um, but I mean, sometimes people I, forget the actors they they work together. Like, I mean, you don't know everything about what you, people that you work with. So I mean, it's it's not. Well, yeah, you only get so much. You don't get the whole story. I think she joined up with Nexum following the show. Um, well, I don't know. It lasted until 2017. It might have been towards like the end of the show, I guess. Right. A long-running show. Um, I'm looking at this wrong. That can't be right. It didn't last until 2017. Someone. Yeah, I feel like the last the last season was in 2010 or 11. Because yeah, I don't. I don't know what this is. Somebody went to IMDb and started changing it all to 2017. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, that's throwing me off there. Um, she also tried to get Kristen Kruick, Lana Lang, uh, recruited, by the way. Yeah, and the actress that played Supergirl in, in the series was also a potential recruit, but that's... Damn. That's the whole thing. Um, run, girl, run. <laughs> but I think that show really hit its stride in season four. And seasons four through nine is the show is Smallville at its best, in my opinion. Um, um, is because I mean, is, is is that where he starts donning the red jacket? And like, he uh, no, that's season seven or eight. Season four is Erica Durance's fa- first oh, appearance. Oh yeah, bringing Lois. Lois Lane that really helped it out. I love Erica. Uh, she might be my favorite Lois Lane because she's like, she's perfect. Like she, she's spunky. But not to the point where she's, I don't know. Abrasive, like, like Margot. Yeah, thing. and that is so hard to pull off. Um, the other, Some of the other actors that did that as the character did a pretty good job. But she just, like, was on a whole nother level. Well, I think um, I do love... Uh... John Glover as Lionel Luther. I love the I love the actor John. Oh yeah, oh he's great. Every time he shows up, and so I'm like, oh that's a treat. Um, and that's ever since Gremlins too. I'm like, oh, I love Gremlins too. I love John Glover. Oh you're in this, cool. So much fun. Um, I I I feel like I didn't even re- realize I forgot that Jensen Eccles was in this. Um, yeah. I like Terrence Stamp playing Jarrell, which is kind of a little nod, you know. I thought that was <laughs> right. Funny. My dad and I watching the show when it was on air was like, "Do you think it's actually General Zod?" Like we were sure that General Zod had like overtaken the fortress. But that would have no, been nice. actually Jarrell. That would have been a nice twist, and I think if this show had come out now, they would have done that. Because um, you kind of kind of look at like Flash's first season. Whereas, like, you know, Zoom or Reverse Flash, whatever you want to say. <laughs> Eobard Fawn starts off as the good guy, but he's the villain all along kind of deal. Right. You know, so I, th- I think back then they weren't quite, they were still kind of stuck on that network television vibe. We're like, we can't have that kind of a twist. Um, nowadays, all bets are off when it comes to TV. But I, I, I think Smallville um, had some great moments, had, had obviously... And people talk so much smack on CW, and uh, this would have been the WB at first. Um, yeah, the uh, the comic book to TV thing. It's like, you know what? They're putting out way more entertainment than Warner Brothers movie can do with this stuff. So I give them credit. I'm like, you know what? It may be on a television budget, but 
some of this stuff still looks good. Smallville still looks fun. Um, I am I I do wish they'd have actually had the budget. I wish they'd have given the budget to do a full Superman suit for Tom Welling in that final episode. Right. Of borrowing props and doing CG stuff. Yeah. Uh, that was disappointing, but Yeah. Yeah. The last season was kind of rough. Um season like nine was excellent. Um that I last feel like season they should have ended it there because I mean the last the villain he faces in season nine was General Zod. The, the last season was Dark Dark Side, wasn't wasn't it? Or Dark Seed, whatever the hell you call it. It's, it's Dark Side, yeah. And it was it infected um, Lionel Luthor, if I recall. Yeah, so you're it, you're right. Which does happen in the comics, where Dark Side becomes like a spirit that uh, possesses people. Yeah, but let's face facts. This was a budgetary thing. This was not like right. That's a cool story element. It was like we can't afford to make a whole Dark Side creature. <laughs> right. <laughs> So I, I, you know, the, yeah, there was a whole chunk of Superman or um, Smallville that I missed. I think like I, I kind of don't recall the brain, the Brainiac much. Brainiac. Stuff, oh yeah, I, think I, I forgot about Brainiac. Brainiac. What's that? I forgot about Brainiac being in that show. He was, he was good too. Smallville had a lot of really solid villains. Like they did great with casting classic Superman villains. Yeah, no, they did a, they did a good job, and I know they, they even had. Um, I think one villain of the season was uh, Bizarro, Bizarro Superman. Yeah. I think he was in there too. Yeah. So they, they covered a lot of Superman through the whole thing. I think one of the, I think one of the things, and it's the mentality that we're, we're, I think we're getting over it now as a generation of viewers now with modern TV. When you saw someone come out with a prequel, you automatically assumed that that show was going to build up to a thing you've already watched. So with something like Smallville, it's like, well, how can he encounter Brainiac and, um, you know, all these other characters like Metallo and all, all, you know, all these other Superman villains and Zod and not be Superman yet? That makes no sense because we already know he becomes Superman meets some of the other thing. It's like you need to kind of grasp that this is a whole new reality, right? A whole new universe. And that's one of the things I like about the Arrowverse is they're, you know, their attempt at the multiverse they're like they did it first before everybody else before spider-man all that shit <laughs> they're like you know we're doing the multiverse thing and we're recognizing that tim burton's batman exists as the whole universe we're recognizing that smallville exists as the whole universe that is i i really need to sit down and watch that whole multiverse multi you know episode arc because right. I, I love i go back it shows up on my timeline all the time the clip of the lex luthor played by ducky what is his name um, don fryer yeah, yeah. Um, going to kill the Smallville um, Superman. He's like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I give him my powers. You ain't doing crap. <laughs> oh, look, I'm still stronger. Yeah, and then he kicks his ass. I'm like, yay. <laughs> so I, I, I do love that the CW um, has accepted that. I, I am a person like that. I know there's a strong contingent of people out there who don't like that idea of multiverse. And I'm like, it's a big sandbox. Let's, you know, let's play. Let's have fun. Sure. I mean, we can do more now than ever before. My dad was like, you know, you guys are so spoiled now. <laughs> All I had growing up was the Incredible Hulk. And, you know, every two to three years, there'd be one comic book movie, maybe. Yeah. 
Yeah, I every time I see a person say, "Oh, those visual effects look like crap." Oh, why do they keep making these movies? I'm like, you shut your you shut your filthy whore mouth. <laughs> you have no clue what the late '70s, early '80s was like. You really don't. I mean, I grew up with freaking Supergirl and Steel. Shut up. <laughs> oh my God, Steel. Be- because yes, Morbius is it a not great movie? It's not a it's not a great movie, but it's worlds above Supergirl and Steel. Yeah. Uh, even even as late as like 2000 or so with Catwoman. Uh, oh my god. When's the last time? I mean, I guess Supergirl like is in the realm of Superman and Supergirl. The movie obviously takes place in the Reeve timeline, if you want to call it that. When's the last time you watched that? Um, I tried to watch it about two or three years ago. So you've not seen it all the way through? Um, I think I've watched it all the way through um, when I was younger. I know there's a witch. I know that she had uh, a teacher in the Phantom Zone. And I know that the movie, movie verse version of Billy Olsen is there. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and I mean, there's pictures and like newspaper articles about Superman and it's Christopher Reeve and I know at the time he was contracted to appear in the film at some point, but he couldn't because of scheduling conflicts. Um, and I, I, I just want to say, like, for the Supergirl movie, I think, again, the director's cut is better. Um, and it obviously is, it's kind of like on the same level as Superman 3, where it has, like, good moments, but it, it's uh, also has a lot of bad ones, too. But I like Helen Slater as the character. Um, and she looks have, the part. Yeah, having the villain be a magic user is kind of cool. Like, that's very different. It wasn't just a billionaire Lex Luthor copy. Um, and the Phantom Zone stuff is genuinely creepy when she goes to the Phantom Zone and meets her mentor Zordon or whatever his name <laughs> Zoltar. was. Zoltar. Zoltar. I was to say, I was looking through the credit list, I'm like, Zoltar, that is such a generic sci-fi name. I think I've even used that for some of my early comic books when I was a kid, like some characters named Zoltar. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sorry, you get to hear if, you, if my water purifier ends up in the recording and just went off. <laughs> so, obviously after Smallville, well, I guess during Smallville, Superman Returns came out in 2006. I was so excited for this. I Same. was so psyched. And that for the opening in 3D with all the worlds coming at you and stuff. Because, um, yeah, I saw that in 3D, um, that intro. I think it was just the intro that was in 3D, though. I think it was, like, just a special moment or something. I can't remember um, if it was the whole movie or not. But um, it was funny. I put on the glasses. And I'm like, oh, we're going to see Superman in 3D. And really all it was was just these worlds zooming past me and stuff. I'm like, okay, all right, it's fun. The music is awesome, of course. John Ottman doing um, uh, John, why am I, Williams. John Williams. Yeah. And I do love that um, Ottman created a theme for Lex Luthor in that movie. I love that right. the theme. Oh, yeah, the music in the film is great. I, I've, I've got it. I listen to it quite often. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll listen to it if I'm, like, rushing to get stuff. Or, like, the uh, the track where Superman is lifting the kryptonite island off the ground, it's mixed with Lex Luthor stuff. Like, I use that music to get stuff going here if I'm, like, in the <laughs> right. I'm, like, I need to psych myself up. Because uh, it does make you feel like you're powerful when you listen to it. 
Um, I think that had they let um, had they let uh, Brian Singer do the sequel for the plans that he had um, with Brainiac and the child being a part of Brainiac. Spoiler alert for people who've never actually known this existed <laughs> that there was a script. Um, I think that would have been wild. I think that would have been great. The problem is, is that he made such an homage to Dick Donner, like he his his mentors asked so much in this movie that it's just like we've seen this, right? Um, I do not like Kate Bosworth as Lois Lane. Oh God, she she's every other actor that I can think of that has played Lois has been good or great. I, she's I'm the only the, one that's not that didn't seem to get it. I'm not the biggest fan of Amy Adams as Lois Lane, but Kate looks like she's 12 in this movie. She also looks like she's bored. Well, that's it. Uh, you know, it's. I think there, the elements, like the elements, are all there. Terrorists taking o- or taking over a plane or what? No, that wasn't it. I can't remember what happened. Engine went. No, did terrorists take over the plane or is that the other one? That's Amy Adams, isn't it? Uh, yeah, you're thinking of a different one. The, yeah. the plane does. The plane loses its loses control because there's uh, a malfunction in the engine. You're thinking of like the bank robbery that happens later in the film. Okay, 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 okay. Um, the the scene of him catching the plane in the field, phenomenal. Love it. I love it. It's just a problem of like we've seen him fight natural disasters and and, and accidents and stuff so much. I, I will say firing the bullet in the eyeball that's awesome that's a great effect that looks fantastic I just feel like they really needed to put in a bad guy in there more than just Kevin Spacey doing Lex Luthor wanting new land again right um, <clears throat> 1978 when no one's seen anything like this before you know but here we are it's what 2006 yeah it was 2006 we, it's we, around the same time that Hancock came out, and there are great fight scenes in that movie. I mean, obviously the special effects aren't on par to what we have today, but they obviously could have done a Superman-level fight to some extent in 2006. Well, Matrix Revolutions came out in 2003. No, oh, that, that's true. That's true. Which features an end fight sequence that goes on for like 10 minutes of them <laughs> flying through the air, punching and shooting and shooting, or I shouldn't say shooting, but punching and throwing themselves through buildings and flying around. And that was three years prior. You need to have a villain who can go toe to toe with Superman. You know, don't save that for the next movie. That was, I think that was like basically just hubris on their part they're like ah people are going to love this film people are going to watch this film and then we'll make the second one and that's when we'll do the stuff right and and do I like the idea see it's funny I never had a problem with Super Baby I never had a problem with like Lois Lane having a baby I did have a problem with what are we saying the events of Superman 1 did not happen in like you know 70s 80s what are we trying to do here it's like it's my argument about Texas Chainsaw Massacre 3D about how like you expect me to believe that somehow this child has remained nine years old for like the last 20 years, you know? Um, yeah. The timeline for Superman returns is super weird. It's supposed to take place a couple of years after Superman two. So I guess there was a giant jump in technology, but in those like two to three years or whatever. Yes. 
in that DC movie universe, we skipped 20 years. We're just like, the hell with it. Yeah, it I mean, if they were going to do week. that, they should have just had it set in the 80s. Yeah, I mean, they could have done that. I don't know. I don't know. But yet, sometimes their style, their scenes that are stylistically like reminding me of the Tim Burton Batman. Like this classic yeah. look, classic vibe. And I'm like, huh, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, but, so what do you know about the production leading up to Superman Returns? You know, we didn't really even talk about uh, Tim Burton. <laughs> yeah, that's that was my next segue because I skipped Tim quite Burton. A bit. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> I, I, I mean, so they tried several times to make a Superman movie over the since Superman four. There was originally going to be a Superman five, and then Christopher Reeve got hurt, so obviously he couldn't do it. Um, so after that, they had a planned trilogy with Tim Burton. Nicholas Cage and Kevin Smith, um, which I would have preferred that over Superman Returns because their take would have been very different. Who knows yeah. what it would have been good, but at least it would have been different. Um, I, so, I mean, for the best, I mean, for the best way to know about Superman or the de- death and and rebirth of Superman project, <laughs> I, I, I Kevin Smith did a whole thing on that as well and there's also a documentary too isn't there yeah the documentary is great um the only thing I, I don't like about the documentary is there's not enough like Nicolas Cage talking about it like I would love to hear more from him um yeah I, I mean I think the funny thing is Nicolas Cage is such a fun actor but he's cursed with this very bizarre looking face <laughs> yeah is not handsome like i love when people like he's so sexy in con air i'm like he looks like the guy on cops who just got arrested for domestic violence what are you talking about <laughs> I, uh, his best role raising arizona like <laughs> yeah uh and i love cage like as a person and as an actor because he's just so like he just goes for it so i think his i mean whether it would have been good or bad at, at the very least his superman would have been interesting at some to some degree um so i mean obviously the superman lives trilogy didn't work out so by the time you know smallville was halfway through its run uh brian singer pitched superman returns to warner brothers and they're like well people love the first two Christopher Reeve movies so we'll just do a sequel sort of sequel to that and we'll just kind of redo what Richard Donner did um and you know they tested several actors including Henry Cavill and Brandon Routh got the role um and I like Routh as Clark Kent I think he got I think the script kind of failed him because he tries so hard to be Christopher Reeve and I think the thing is um, that was just how he was directed but when they brought him back for Crisis on Infinite Earth that for me was like his golden seal on the character and I would love to see him come back to it in a bigger capacity as a older more seasoned Superman like if they could do that I would absolutely love it because he was great as Superman in Crisis on Infinite Earths I did. I did love. I did see that scene where he kind of goes mad and has to fight um, the new Superman. Um, right. Fantastic stuff. I, I I do feel he got a raw deal. He got a raw deal because I think he's a great Superman in a bad Superman movie. 
I think Cavill has been a great Superman in some bad Superman movies, <laughs> some bad DC movies. Um, so I'm hoping now, like, kind of, kind of want to talk a little bit about the abandoned uh, Nick Cage or project was like John Peters, the producer behind it. Oh gosh, give me um, the giant spider. Oh, and also spider. he's not allowed to fly. <laughs> Yeah, like he had some ideas that I was like, you need to take him off this project, Warners. I don't know why. And what kills me is like, just looking at his, his IMDb thing, he's been linked to all the other Superman movies, like just because he's like a producer, but I'm like, he has nothing to do with them. I'm like, well, I hate that your name is on these other movies. Right. He like, clearly doesn't get the character, but somehow he's been involved. Like, I mean, people think that, uh, having writers or producers involved that don't like the the um the source material is a modern day thing like no that's been going on for forever no you get you get that all the time people who put their name on a project go well i really don't like horror or i really don't like this but whatever like uh, i'm trying to think I, I know there's one i was recently watched i don't know if it was a halloween movie it was one of the genre you know sequel title type movies and the producer came on board for a horror movie and was like I don't get any of this and I don't understand I'm like why are you here <laughs> like, right what is what is the point Did, like I, I I get the idea of working for a for a living and just like well it's a job I get money I get that but this is a creative endeavor and if you don't like it and you're gonna fight it all the way right like you're gonna make a bad product and why would you do that like it's a bad faith actor kind of movement here where it's like I'm gonna come into this production and I'm going to say, I don't understand why this character does this. Well, that is the character trait in, this, in, the, in the book series, in the cartoons, the TV shows, everything going for it. This is what the fan base expects of this character. Well, I don't like it. Take it out. Like, what? <laughs> Stop doing that, producers in Hollywood. Knock it off. <laughs> Think you know better, John Peters? Keep snorting cocaine in the corner, okay? Yeah, it, it it's bizarre, but I mean, it, it gave Kevin Smith some stories to tell. <laughs> the freaking mechanical spiders, like, I need a giant mechanical spider. I'm not doing that. Project I mean, falls apart two years I later. Think, Wild Wild West, giant mechanical spider. I think his idea to like, well, I guess I'm gonna have to give him the spider. And I think originally what he was gonna do was have it be Brainiac and have it be Christopher Walken uh, as Brainiac as a giant spider, which I could work. I mean, a giant mechanical spider, like you said. Which is, I mean, I've seen the maquette that Burton had done of the Brainiac spider thing, and I was like, we're not doing that, are we? We're not really making this Tim Burton's A Nightmare Before Christmas in the movie, are we? Are we, doing, are we going there? Please tell me someone else is making a new maquette that's, like, more realistic. <laughs> and then, I mean, obviously, Superman Returns never got a sequel, but they had ideas, and you mentioned one of them earlier with Brainiac and... Uh, another script involved General Zod, which became Man of Steel. Uh, and then another script that was pitched for the, the sequel was to have the bank robber, the guy that that, that manned the minigun, was yeah. going to be Metallo and work with, work with Lex Luthor while Lex, Lex was in jail, um, which would have been a cool idea. That would have been kind of neat to see. Um, Metallo is a main guy. Well, I mean, Lex would have been the main guy still, but I think Metallo would have been, like, the muscle, so to speak. Yeah, I mean, I like Metallo. I always I always did like Metallo. Um, 
in the uh, Superman, the animated series, uh, they had um, Malcolm McDowell voice him, I think. Yep, yep. And I really loved him because Malcolm can play a real vicious bastard. Um, and that character was definitely vicious. I that's I mean that is you know Superman. I think the best Superman, of course. And I I, I know I'm being biased here because I love what Bruce Tim and Paul Dini did for the DC universe. <clears throat> Superman the Superman the animated series with Tim Daly as Superman. I still yeah. watch it. I'll still I'll I'll put on HBO Max. I'm like I'm gonna watch some Superman. That's a great show. Yeah, that's a solid show. I mean. Uh... As far as like Superman and its in his animated form, you know, that's right up there with Justice League. Yeah, I just wish I wish they'd have brought Tim Daly back to play him in the Justice League ones. I was I think it I, was again scheduling stuff and not that George Newbern is bad. Like he's pretty good as the character. No, he's not. He's not. I just I um the, the other change that I hated about Justice League Superman, did you notice in the character design, they made him older, they gave him, like, wrinkles? Yes, and the first couple of seasons, he looks older, and then they kind of change it yeah, they later realized, on. They realize it looked like crap. Like, um, what is wrong with him? Why is yeah. he not sleeping? <laughs> <laughs> like, right. I mean, the older design in, when he appears in Batman Beyond is done a lot better, but obviously it, it fits for him to be older at this point. It, I mean, it, 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 I get the idea they were trying to move the story more, further ahead, but they didn't age Batman, so I was like, how is it the human? Right. It's he like, looks fine, but the Kryptonian guy looks all withered. What, what's going on with that? Yeah. Uh, I thought I was the only one who noticed that. <laughs> like, no. Like, what's going on? No, it's like real the obvious season. in the first season. I'm not a fan of the first season of Justice League. I am a Justice League Unlimited guy. Um, once the, the cast expanded and got crazier, because that's for me, I love the wacky extras of DC. It's, it's another reason why I love, I, I didn't mind uh, Black Adam was including the Justice Society. I'm like, please, yeah, bring in more weirdos. Yeah, I mean, really, Justice League Unlimited was the first time these characters got represented, which was yeah. awesome, because I was like, I was a huge comic book fan, even back then, and, I, and there were characters I didn't know, but we were getting stories about them, which was really cool. Um, yeah, like shining, shining Knight of all people. I'm like, what? Shining yeah, Knight? Yeah, <laughs> that's another thing that tickles me about superhero movies and TV shows nowadays is like, we get movies about Ant-Man and all these like C-list heroes that are that are great in their own respect, but there's no way in hell that studios would have made movies about these characters 20 years ago. Hell, maybe even 10 years ago. The only... The only... I would say this, the only connection to that, like there's there's like outliers, like Steel, for example. Like that movie had no right being made except for the fact that Shaquille O'Neal wanted a vehicle to do a movie. And they're like, hey, let's put him in this. It's cheap, you know, we just need to make a suit. He doesn't, you know. Yeah, whatever. Shaq liked Superman. Like he was a Superman fan. I mean, he's got the tattoo. And I mean, obviously he had, he had to know about Steel, but gosh, Steel. But I mean, he was super hot at the time, so they were like, "Well, let's put him in a vehicle. What can we do?" Like, there's Steve. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean that that movie did give me a wheelchair where that could like shoot laser beams. I mean, that was pretty yeah. epic. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure the Kenner toy did the same thing. I think it shot missiles or something. Um, yeah, there was a line of Kenner figures from that. I love that. Yeah, I, I that I miss that. I miss 
when a big summer blockbuster movie came out, you knew Kenner was going to make a toy line. And sure, it was going to sit on the shelves forever. But now, like 20 years later, they're like 20, 30 years later, they're, they're like these bolted, like highly wanted collectibles. I'm like, they're so crappy, but I love them. Yeah. <laughs> they don't do that anymore. They, like, they don't merchandise anymore because like kids don't want this stuff. I'm like, well, I do. Make me a make me a crappy line of smile action figures. Five points of articulation. Each character has a different head that's got a smile on it. <laughs> uh, one more thing about Superman Returns uh, before I forget. What do you think of Kevin Spacey as Lex Luthor? Okay. I When I heard he was cast as Lex Luthor, I was excited um, because I was thinking creepy psychopath seven you know calculating character from uh was he he was a villain in con air too like he was another i believe so um so i thought he was gonna do that and then i'm like oh he's doing his version of gene hackman which isn't his fault it's still kevin yeah it's still kevin spacey but then he does what it it was was that line at the end like lois is like superman will come for me and he's like i can count you know his whole plan doesn't make any goddamn sense. No, it's dumb. It's like, oh, I'm going to make land. I'm like, have you seen the land it makes? That does not look hospitable. Nobody right. wants to live on that shit, you nut job. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I like his portrayal better than Gene Hackman. Um, I think yeah, he, he definitely carries the I'm the smartest person in the room. You guys are all to be groveling in the attitude. Right. Uh it's just it's it's this he's in the same boat as the rest of the cast where it's just like the script just isn't good like the story isn't good um if he had been you know more like john shea's lex Luthor, where he's seen by the public as a as a good as you know a decent person but behind closed doors you know superman is the only one that knows how how big of a piece of shit he is yeah, if they'd have, if they'd have gone with uh, like it's been years, he's you know well I mean they did sort of do that where he like conned this old lady out of her fortune and stuff like that. But I kind of wish he'd have done more self-made man kind of right. Kind of you know um, yeah. Had they had they done like in the five years you were gone, I guess five or nine, um, Lex is back to being a billionaire and he's legal. And and I know back then our our, our my our our concept as american people like understanding like criminals can't be like that they can't get away with that well nowadays it makes much more sense i'm like well i've seen some crappy people go from rags to riches and do some horrible things and and be known to be a horrible person and yet still be a billionaire so right you know it, i, I love the scene now. where they're in the office talking about well how did Lex get out of jail? It's like, well, he called Superman as a witness and obviously Superman wasn't there. And you could see Clark's face and Jimmy Olsen's like, boy, I bet that pisses Superman off. And Clark's <laughs> like, yeah, it does. <laughs> now, I, I will say when you're talking about the, the crappy story and everything, in defense of one of the writers, because I absolutely love him, Michael Doherty, you know, he got punished for this. Um, the... The, the end result of Superman Returns um, basically punished him because he was also developing Trick or Treat at the time. Okay. And so after Superman Returns came out, Warner Brothers shelved Trick or Treat for like a year. They're like, nope, 
because you wrote this piece of shit. Never mind the fact that Dan Harris was there, Brian Singer was there too. Yeah. And so many other revisions and so many, they'd spent like 200 million on scripts between Nicolas Cage to there. You know, Michael Doherty is, to me, he's like the modern day Fred Decker. He keeps making really good films that bomb. Because <laughs> like Trick or Treat did not get a theatrical re- release at first. It was straight to Blu-ray. And then he also did Godzilla King of the Monsters. Fantastic Godzilla sequel. Everybody hates. I don't know why Godzilla vs. Kong gets such praise when it is such a dumb piece of crap. Whereas Godzilla King of the Monsters was fun and had Godzilla in it. It was a Godzilla movie, not Kong here. Oh yeah, Godzilla in the background. Um, I just love Michael Doherty. I don't know. This is my little. This is my Michael Doherty praise moment. Like I love the stuff you do, man. And the Krampus movie didn't get as much praise as it showed out. Krampus is great. Yeah, I feel like he is the modern day Fred Decker. They, they'll give him projects, it bombs. Sooner or later, they're going to blacklist him. <laughs> Just like Fred. So, I mean, obviously, after Superman Returns and Smallville came Man of Steel. Yeah, good old Man of Steel. Hmm. <laughs> I like Man of Steel. I do. But, do? Zack Snyder, I really, and this is. And I'm, I'm saying this as a person prior to what happened to him during Justice League. This man needs some therapy. He needs to lighten the hell up. Um, why is every Zack Snyder film... The, the funny thing is, like his first movie that I watched, Dawn of the Dead, I love that film, but it is about the zombie apocalypse where pretty much everyone's screwed. It's still a dark, depressing film. Which makes sense. Yeah, which makes sense in the context of that. And then came Sucker Punch. Well, no, 300, which yep. I like 300. It got me, me all too. pumped at the end of the movie. I was like, man, I want to get into a fight. <laughs> this is Sparta. Uh, but again, also kind of a male chauvinist power fantasy um, that, uh, you, you know, it, it basically nowadays is not regarded too well it was great at the time i think now a lot of negative light has been kind of put on it i still like it i still enjoy it it's fine i didn't know i wasn't aware that 300 is a film that people have decided to like now i'm guessing it's more the younger audience or whatever getting on the vibe of the male chauvinism the whole thing but that's like frank miller stuff that's frank miller you get to like sin city it's like man yeah dame see dame (laughs) you know or even if you watch the spirit like oh god what a horrible movie um so you know it, it, everything's got these dark tones dark tones dark tones um i want to say sucker punch came out before uh watchman watchman came out in 2008 sucker punch came out in 2010 so oh, um, okay okay watchman yeah. i like watchman again though watchman is dark, his best work very dark material perfect for him it works for him um, his change to the end of the movie, I will say to this dying day, much better than anything Alan Moore wrote. Like giant, the giant, so you don't, giant you don't space go octopus, the giant octopus. Giant space octopus makes no damn sense, but uniting the world against the character that's central to the plot makes sense in a story. It's it's cohesive in a story wise. Yeah, Watchmen's great. But you'll hear a bunch of Alan Moore fans go, "No, it should be exactly like Alan Moore wrote it." Piss off. <laughs> That's all I Alan Moore's great, but the giant octopus thing never made sense to me. 
I never liked it. I read the book before I saw the movie, so I don't even want to hear people go, you did it because you watched the movie. No. I read the book before I watched the movie. I was very aware of Watchmen all through the 80s and 90s. Read the book long before the movie. Read it again before the movie. And yeah, the ending is great. I will give Zack Snyder that. I'm like, your your version of Watchmen, I absolutely love that movie. I think that's great. <laughs> and then Sucker Punch came out, and I was like, I mean, I tell you this right now. I, and I don't know if I said this story before in this podcast. I may have. At that point in my life, my girlfriend had just broken up with me. My, um, I was laid off from my job and my unemployment had run out. <clears throat> my boss on my side job that I was working at, because I was doing some like very small comic book project stuff, was nagging on me while this is all going on in my life that he wanted some deadlines where he's going to cut uh, from the project. And that very same day, and I, I was in this, I was, I was in this like three-story apartment, so I never got a real bed. I was, I kept getting inflatable beds because I was like, I ain't lugging a bed through here. <laughs> I ain't going through furniture in this apartment. I was that kind of, uh, you know, bachelor kind of dude. That very day, my air mattress popped. The same, like I'm, I'm telling you, literally within a day span, my girlfriend broke up with me. My unemployment ran out. My air mattress popped. I floor and my friend was like i'm gonna take you to see sucker punch man you gotta see this cool movie with this cool action sequences in the trailer because that's all he showed you the trailer cool action sequences yeah by the end of sucker punch i turned to him i said why don't you just give me a razor blade tell me to slit my wrist i mean seriously this is the most depressing movie i've ever seen in my life the the moral of the story is let go and die to save other people sweet yeah i love it That, that sucker punch was such a depressing piece of shit that I was just like, did anyone not notice that before they handed him the DC license to work on superhero stuff? But did no one look? <laughs> so Man of Steel, 2013. Henry Cavill, my boy. Amy Adams, not my Lois, sorry. <laughs> Michael Shannon as a great General Zod. I didn't think I'd like him, but I loved his obsessive like just he's like I will find you <laughs> yeah uh, he's a great General Zod like he I, I love Terrence Stamp as General Zod as well but um, I would say that Michael Shannon Zod is more sympathetic like you get where he's coming from like you might not agree with him but you get where he's coming from right like like if you look at like Transformers the movie they, they make Megatron into this guy who is he's evil but he's always talking about wanting to rebuild Cybertron. I'm like, you're the one who blew it up, asshole. <laughs> Unlike General Zod in this one, he's like, okay, he's trying to overthrow a corrupt government. At the same time, the world is falling apart. It's not his fault. Right. So his, his at all costs, try to save Krypton, you know, uh, sympathy. I have more sympathy for him. Right. Um, you know, Russell Crowe's Jarrell, fine. I like Russell Crowe. I like him. I think he's fine. I think he's yeah. Fine. I think the things with him and Zod are pretty good. I mean, they sort of in the original Superman movies, they sort of hinted that Jor-El and Zod were friends at some point. But I mean, they that was like one scene. Whereas in Man of Steel, it's flushed out a lot more. Yeah. Um, like I love this. I love the scene where Zod is talking to Jor-El's hologram, and he's like, you know, I wonder if a hologram can feel pain after your son is dead <laughs> and just like whoa 
like, hey, you're 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 kind of like him, so I just want you to know I'm gonna kill your kid because he's pissed me off. Um, I, I I just like again, I just wish they'd cast a different. Amy. I'm no offense, to Amy Adams. There's just something about her that just screams too much damsel in distress. Even though she does put herself in dangerous situations, I don't get the vibe like she's okay with it. You know what I mean? Or you, not that you should be okay with it, but like persevere against it. I don't know. I could be wrong. I just, but better than Kate Bosworth by a mile. Still better than Kate Bosworth. But there's 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 just something about Amy Adams. Um, and I know this isn't her fault. I think the dopiest thing ever uh, about this this movie is we have the whole Superman and Clark Kent, you know, secret identity going on. And he's in his Superman outfit. And there are military people right by the Kent farm because there's problems going on. And he rushes off safety and she calls him Clark by name. And I'm like, bitch, that's his secret identity. Shut the f- up. <laughs> that's true. But I mean, there are, in her defense, there are a lot of people on the planet named Clark. But sure, I, but I agree that was stupid. always within a couple feet of Clark Kent or in some situation, you know, it's like, yeah, pretty. I will say in Zack Snyder's universe, there's lots of people who know who Clark Kent is. It seems yeah. to be okay. So, and Zachary I give a shit about secret identities. Probably my my optimism is that like people knew that Clark Kent was Superman, but they decided not to say anything because he was doing good things for the for the world. <laughs> They're like, just let him be. It's fine. Yeah. Fine, and I, I, I would like to be. think that people would do that. Like they, I know that he's Superman, but I'm not going to say anything because. You know, if if his if his enemies find out, his family's fucked. Right. I mean, and that's just it. In this very first movie, we have Zod and what is her name, Feora. Yep. <laughs> um, and the others attack the Kent farm. So it's like, well, secret identity be damned. Um, which, by the way, I like that girl playing Feora. Um, that woman. Um, I like the look. I will say the look of all the characters are phenomenal. I I, I do. I, I mean, I realize that the the bad guy, you know, um, Kryptonian outfits are very heavily influenced by Giger. Oh yeah, a huge Giger vibe from all the Kryptonian technology and stuff. Yeah, very different from the Richard Donner movie, which I like. I like that they're doing something different, but not. But it still feels like Superman without it being a complete departure. Right, like I've, I've, like, you know, I love the look of Fortress of Solitude in the original Dick Donner thing. The idea of crystal technology being everything—it's like, okay, that's a bit much. Yeah, um, all crystals, <laughs> bunch of hippies. Uh, <laughs> I don't care for Kevin Costner's Jonathan Kent, and I think that has more to do with the script than him, maybe a little combination of the two. Because Kevin Costner, I love watching Yellowstone. Um, Ruth, my better half, is is kind of like we're, we're going on vacation here in a couple of days. We're going to Florida um, to visit all the Disney Corporation stuff and give the mouse more money. Um, we're 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 gonna miss the premiere of Yellowstone this season. She's kind of bummed about that because it's happening while we're we're away. Um, so he's he's Kevin has entered this age in his life where he just he just talks like this. Get off my land, kind of kind of yeah. very Clint Eastwoody. And I expect kind of a softer person from Jonathan Kent. And 
in all of it, in his appearance in this movie and in Batman v Superman, he's very much like tough shit. Clark told you not to use your powers. Let me die. Let people die. <laughs> it's better to keep it safe. <laughs> Which yeah, he's kind of off and on for me in the movie, and I I think again, like you said, it's it's kind of how he's written, where they want to like go a bit darker with Superman's origin story and whether or not he should or should not help people or when it's a good time to do it and when right. is it a good time not to. But um, the funny thing about that is that with Kevin Costner, you know, grilling into his head like you got to keep safe, you got to keep here. Once Kevin dies. Clark goes on his own doing a whole bunch of goodwill shit without a without a superhero name or a costume. Basically as Clark Kent. In front <coughs> right. of witnesses. So basically like dad's dead, don't give a fuck. <laughs> well, I mean, the oil the oil thing, it's like nobody's gonna recognize him. Like they're gonna describe a, a muscular white guy with a beard. Well, the thing is though, they they show in the movie that, you know, um, Lois figures it out pretty easily by tracking all the things he does. That's true. Because he doesn't have it set. So the movie just kind of contradicts itself all the time. And my personal favorite contradiction, just story editing wise, and I, I understand that the concept of time is, of course, relevant. So, you know, they're caught with that tornado. And we have to get out and go save. We have to save the dog. He's stuck in the truck, though. So Jonathan's like, I'll go instead of the kid who's impervious to stuff because we wouldn't want him to, like, get caught up in the storm and survive and people be like what is that about i should die for this dog and so he gets the dog and the dog frees itself and clark goes to save him and jonathan's like nope let the tornado take me right the tornado takes him and then they cut to the farm and it's a whole new dog in the scene meaning that other dog's dead because it's been years anyway so pointless <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I don't have a problem with Jonathan Kent dying. They just should have, they should have had it be Clark having to make a choice between his mom and his dad. Like obviously yeah. he could technically save them both, but that would reveal his secret, and Jonathan would be like, "No, save your mom. You you can't you you can save us both, but you well, shouldn't. It's not I safe." Like, I feel like it should be you can't save us both. I really do feel like it should be. Or it should be that he can't. It's just kind of proving that Superman is not all powerful. You know what I mean? Like giving. I mean that that is what happens in the Richard Donner Superman. Like Jonathan Kent has a heart attack. Right. Um, and again, that's why Donner was so perfect for that movie because he understood that Superman can't do everything. Yeah, no, I, I, I do feel, I mean, it's, that's the one thing about Snyder when he's making this film, I'm like you contradict yourself like every other scene. I don't know why. I, I, I are, are there not people around you to tell you like, hey, this doesn't work because in the last scene we filmed, yeah, I don't know, I don't know. I mean, obviously they're not filming in order, but they have a, they have, they have a plan. They have a right. plan, they have a script, they have storyboards. They should know. Um, I will say that yeah, casting is fun. Some of the stuff, like with the powers and don't show your powers, you know, can do this, can do that, kind of contradicts itself. One of the things they started with this movie, which I was upset at, I get more upset in the next movie, is killing off Superman supporting characters just for the sake of drama, as as the comic book field calls it, fridging. Yeah. Um, Dr. Emil. I love Dr. Emil in Superman the Animated Series. I liked him in the Superman the comics in the 90s. I liked him even in Justice League Unlimited where he turns out to be a bastard and he actually kind of turns on him. At least, but it makes sense. 
it like it makes sense because him, you know? yeah um and he was great in smallville too yeah they kill him off in this movie um he blows up and i was just like i know a lot of people who are casual fans watching this movie give two shits but i do um superman was supposed to be you know or dr emil was supposed to be the guy who helps clark with new things and stuff like encountering new problems he could have been great in the other movies he basically is like the lucius fox of the superman stories yeah i don't understand zach well i i do to a point where it's like zach clearly likes comic books but on a surface level like it's it's like they're cool and i want to do this stuff but i don't like i'm not embracing any of these characters really um because because some of those just some of those things like that and then when we get the batman v superman boy <laughs> yeah um so with killing a meal kind of kind of take me off now the one thing i will defend zach and everybody like goes against on um man of steel is killing zod yep i have no problem with killing zod because you can see on henry cavill's face the tragedy that he doesn't want to kill the other remaining kryptonian in this world that he knows of. He he doesn't want to do this, but you know, Zod's like, I'll never stop, you know. And it's it's a tragedy. And that that works. Now I don't understand people on surface level, they're like, you know, he uh, you know, I, I can't believe Superman killed. I'm like, well, what else was he supposed to do? There are people there like, well, why didn't he just cover his eyes? And I was like, dude, those are laser beams. The laser beams would have cut through his hand eventually. Like, get Clark impervious, but it would have been the same end result. He, he basically said, I'm never going to stop. I don't care what the hell you do to me right now unless you kill me. I'm going to keep killing more people. Now, I will say, it's, it's like I'm 50-50 on the Superman basically totaling Metropolis to try and stop this guy. Because I can say, like, okay. He's on his own. I mean, he's on his own. He's pushed against the wall. He's new at this. There's my defense for that. I'm like, he is new at this. Because you do see in the next movie, they push Doomsday out of, you know, the population. They like, they realize, like, we need to take this fight less crowded place. So he's learned, he does learn. So I, I, on one end, Superman pancaking cities, you know, not on his own. He's not intentionally destroying buildings, but not really caring. Right. I think they could have done a better job of him, like, trying to move the fight away from the city, but just not being able to because there's too many Kryptonians to manage. Yeah. I mean, if they had a scene where all, like, there was a whole group of Kryptonians circling the city, kind of acting as a boundary, you know, I don't know. Uh, and then maybe you somehow force projected them <laughs> back in the Phantom Zone. Um, I don't know, like just something, just something to kind of give that notion. But it works because, you know, even after he's killed Zod and everything, we move on to Batman v Superman and you see it from Bruce Wayne's point of view. Yeah. Of this monster destroying city. Now, I, I'm guessing that they probably didn't have a plan for Batman v Superman right after Man of Steel. It's hard to tell. I mean, only those involved would know. 
yeah my, my theory being though is that the first half of the movie well the majority of the movie is all about criticizing superman and his actions in man of steel which right was something all the fans did endlessly for like three four five months after man of steel came out right so i definitely have a feeling that zach was like you know what let's examine that let's go ahead and do that which is um, a cool idea like i mean if you're somebody on the ground while this is happening and you don't have any context you're gonna think superman's a monster right i do feel that and this again was the Zack snyder just think i'm like you go so dark you keep getting darker and darker and darker it's like i do need a little bit of levity okay like marvel yeah. you know dc fans will pick on marvel all the time for being so lighthearted. i'm like okay but i want to look at you financially wise who's more successful because who's appealing to more people it's like you can't marvel. you can't always shove people's faces and shit and be like do you like that do you like that huh? Huh? now i know there's fans out there who absolutely do adore that for some weird reason they want they want their dc comic movies to be just the darkest thing ever and i'm just like i no i'm sorry like aquaman the movie wonder woman even wonder woman 1984 even though it's anticlimactic at the end i like it i like the wonder woman i like aquaman i like shazam i like black adam and black adam he kills a shit ton of people but guess what it's not filmed in this dark brooding manner to make you super depressed they're all villains right. that he kills so it's like you know and they even admit that he even admits that his actions are wrong and he needs to do better by the end of the movie so um so yeah. i will ask you a simple question do you like batman v superman or are you kind of lukewarm about it or do you hate it um that, and have you seen the director's I am, cut i am at hate to disinterest because one i wanted it to be good i wanted it to be good but i was already as soon as they said batman v superman was the name of the title i was like uh-oh we're 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 going for a fight movie are we we we're yeah not doing, we're not doing dawn of justice like why didn't we call this world's finest like or that too that, that's the thing world's finest the from the batman the animated series to superman new adventures like well the trade-off to the new adventures superman whatever you want to call it is a much better story much more entertaining than this and it does a great job and it also has fight scenes between the two yeah and that is only like an hour and 20 minutes and it does a better job and you get what you you get what you want you get joker you get lex you get mom for them to fight you get all this kind of stuff going on and it, it's just balanced so much better than batman v superman um like right off the bat and we, we just talked about dr emil killing off um jimmy olsen jimmy olsen pissed me off so bad um and i know he's not jimmy olsen actual photographer you know boy photographer he's actually cia agent it doesn't matter they weren't going to show a plot later on that says oh that's not the real jimmy olsen real jimmy olsen is here and fine they didn't do anything like that they didn't do anything in justice league to say that they killed him off because i saw a whole bunch of people defending it going that's not really jimmy don't worry about it he's coming and nowadays that morphed into what do you care about jimmy olsen i care because he's part of the superman mythology right he's superman's pal yeah get his get his little watch that's it's a little weird um yeah 
So I think the biggest thing that I would have fixed with this this movie is Clark's reaction to all the negative press. Because I, I love the idea of like taking Superman and these actions from a certain point of view. And because I mean, I think the film portrays very well. Like, what if Superman was real? Like, this is how the world would really react. There'd be news stations that would be praising him. There'd be news stations that'd be making up lies about him. It would, it would totally be like that. Yeah. Um, but I think Clark's reaction, not that I have pro- a problem with Henry Cavill's acting. I think he's still good in the film um, with what he's given. I think I would have liked to have see him be opt- optimistic in spite of all that. Like, well, I'm going to show them who I really am. Yeah. Um, yeah. This version of Clark is like, maybe the world doesn't need Superman. Like, oh, shut up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and. And I totally get Batman's point of view. Like, he doesn't know Clark. He doesn't know Superman. He just saw him in this really bad moment. And um, and I even, I hate Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor. <laughs> but um, even he's got a point, good point of view. Like, well, this is a guy that's, that's basically a god. We need to take him out. Yeah. Um, I do not, like... I do not hate this Lex Luthor. I hate that they cast Jesse Eisenberg in this simply because he did a movie about Facebook and they said, we want to make this Lex modern. So he's like Zuckerberg. Well, why don't we just cast Jesse? It's it's stunt casting that I'm just like... It should have been Billy Zane or Brian Cranston. I would have loved either of those. That would have been great. Because Billy is suave. Even even older Billy now, I'm sure, is suave as hell. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't care how old he is. He'd still make a great Lex Luthor. Yeah, because he can play man, he can play evil, he can play sniveling, he can play. I mean, I loved his his the first time I ever saw him, Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight, as the main demon. He he encapsulates a great villain. He's funny, he's charismatic, he acts like he's the smartest guy in the room. It's it's these are great, you know, these are these are fun villain traits, and you know, I'm sure he could play a little bit more complex, and that would have been a great Lex Luthor. Jesse, yeah. Jesse just comes off as Jesse. It is Jesse Eisenberg. That, that is one of the things about Jesse Eisenberg. I like him, but at the same time, you know, people talk about The Rock being The Rock everywhere movie he goes into. Jesse Eisenberg is Jesse Eisenberg everywhere he goes. Yeah. And you know what? It's like when I think of the lines his Lex Luthor says in the film, they're pretty good. But it, they, if they'd been given to a better actor, they would have been great. Yeah. I mean, you know, he's like, you know, they always told us that demons came from below. But in fact, they come from above. And I'm like, can we have someone, I don't know, say that it makes me feel threatened? Like, I could imagine Billy Zane or Brian Cranston delivering those lines just in a very oh. quiet and matter-of-fact way. Okay. And it would have been okay. creepy. Cranston would have been awesome. That would have been great. Um, um, so how do you feel about the ending of the movie? Um, I was like, let me get this straight. Superman's second outing and you kill him? <laughs> what the f- <laughs> you know, I I was mad. I was just like, guys. It is, it is killed, too soon. They killed Spock in Star Trek Two, but there was a whole TV show before it. Right, exactly. Let's get to know Henry Cavill Superman before you kill him. Yeah, it's... That's another thing with uh, the whole DC thing is like they want to get to the good stuff like right away, but you have to have the buildup in order to care. And it's not that I didn't care in the movie. I was certainly sad and i think that 
it does end the movie on a, a hopeful note where Batman is like, oh shit, I was totally wrong about this guy. And then it leads into Justice League. Um, it, so on some level it, it works, but at the same time, I wish they would have built up to it more. Like, I don't know. It's, I mean, when these movies first came out, when Man of Steel came out, and then we went to Batman v Superman, like right off the bat, and like, we're heading to Justice League next. I'm like, why? Why are you jumping the gun? Like, oh, never mind, we're popping out of a Suicide Squad first. I'm like, okay, still, why are we jumping to these ladder tier type stories all of a sudden? And I, I thought in my head, I was like, you know, why did we have to throw Batman in right away? Why can't we build him up? Because I, I thought in my head, do a Superman movie, do a Wonder Woman movie, do Superman 2, do Aquaman, do Cyborg, do Flash, do these, you know, do these movies. And at the end of each movie, and I, I know what you're going to say, that this is just the Marvel, this is the Marvel phase planning. I'm like, yes, exactly. Go ahead and rip off Marvel because there's a reason why it works. At the end of each movie, have bat like I had this idea in my head of Batman being chased or chasing a parademon as an end credit scene that kind of links to a whole scene by the end of like the Flash movie you know he almost dies realizing he's gonna need help to fight this problem yeah the dark side of these parademons hence you go into a Justice movie you don't need a Batman v Superman movie you don't freaking need it um that was just stunts. That was all stunts. That's all it was. It was a stunt film, stunt casting, and it was it was done very bitterly. Everybody's cynical. It's just, I don't know. Like, so you know, like I said, I'm somewhere between disinterest and hatred. I I don't want to say I hate this movie. Like I have watched it recently. Have you watched I, the director's cut? Yes, I watched the extended cut. I think it's better. Um, the biggest thing I love about that is Clark Kent has more to do. Not specifically Superman, Clark Kent. <clears throat> and you yeah, see dude. like him like researching Batman and what Batman has been doing in his downtime. So it makes sense, more sense why they don't like each other. Oh, and by the way, if you're suddenly hearing a rumbling in the rest of the podcast, for anyone listening, it's because the farmer who farms on the land next to me decided to pull up his tractor um, right next to my house. Super fun. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I just, let's just move on to Justice League. <laughs> okay, do you want to talk about Justice League or Tyler Hoechlin's portrayal as the character next? Um, well, didn't Justice League, Justice League came out in 2017. Tyler, <clears throat> oh, I guess he would have shown up in Supergirl, huh? Yeah, he appeared in a couple of seasons. I guess we can talk about. Uh, it's up to you because they kind of have all happened at the same time, and yeah, um, I think he looks phenomenal. I think he he does a fantastic job. Um, it's it's one of those things where I really do need to sit down and watch this show. I feel bad. I watch it I get I get glimpses of it I get snippets of it I watch the show I watch a little bit of the show and then I have to like you know so I'm like so it hasn't caught my attention all I've heard 
is nothing but good stuff from people who are fans of the CW stuff. You're going to always have those detractors. They're like, oh, this looks like crap because it's TV. And I'm like, actually, it looks phenomenal. Yeah. Um, uh, every fight scene I've seen looks like a major motion picture. I have not been like <clears throat> totally disappointed with anything. So. I like him as Superman quite a bit. Uh, I think that he portrays the characters as hopeful and optimistic. His Clark Kent is good too. It's it's sort of like the same thing as like with Dean Cain's Clark Kent, where the characters aren't all that different. Where Clark's more of like a normal, just like a normal everyday guy. Um, but he's good as Clark Kent. Um, I I've enjoyed Lois Superman and Lois quite a bit. It's it's had its ups and downs, but him for the most part has been great as the character one of my favorite scenes and i don't think this is a major spoiler it's just like a little scene like it doesn't have to do with the the major plot he saves this north korean submarine from like falling into the ocean and being crushed and having everybody get killed and this agent that's with the u.s government is like well, why would you do that the north koreans are enemies of ours and superman's like i'm a hero for everybody I saved them because they were going to die, and that's what I do. If you don't like it, we don't have to work together. And I was like, that they totally get this character. Like, Superman isn't just a hero in America. He's a hero everywhere, and he sees everybody as worth saving because that's just who he is. I think that's... The, the funny thing about that was, like, Superman. Superman is an alien immigrant comes to America and believes in prosperity and, and equality. He was created by two Jewish guys. <laughs> right. There are still people out there who like will do the red, white, and blue American flag integrated into the Superman symbol will be like, hey, Superman America. It's like, he's more than that. And I, just the American way, you know, that, that, is, that was the catchphrase and everything. But times change, people evolve and, and ideals evolve. And there's nothing wrong with Superman saving foreigners or saving people. Yeah, you know, I've seen there's been various comic books, especially in the last 10, 15 years, where Superman's been in a moral dilemma where someone's like, why would you save that person? Or there would be like racism involved or anti-LGBTQ, stuff like that. Um, the reaction to DC Comics giving his son uh, a feature book where he's, he's uh, bisexual and seeing some of the reactions of people losing their mind, because of course, when the news reported it, they're like, Superman's gay. Oh and, God, don't even get me started on that. It's just like, you know, I hate well, misleading one, titles like that. The, the news articles don't want to say, Superman's son is bisexual. They're like, eh, just write Superman's gay. It'll get more clicks, it'll get more outrage. And you see all these people like flipping <laughs> out and they're like, ah, comic books these days have gone downhill, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, have you read a comic book in recent years? No, I just know. Shut up. Like, I hate that opinion. I, I, there's a contingent of people my age who absolutely insist that 90s, and I'm scared for them because that means they don't know how to read. Because comic <laughs> books in the 90s barely had any reading in them, <laughs> it was all art. Yeah, the art was something. Yeah, and like, yeah, a billion pouches, no feet, squinty eyes. You know, I'm talking to you, Rob Leefield. Anyway. Um, life I think a lot Todd McFarlane. Todd McFarlane, um, he 
I, I love Todd. I, I I like Todd. I don't like that he made Greg Capullo change his art style to the point now he just looks like a Todd McFarlane clone. Um, I noticed that right off the bat. I'm sure I'm sure Greg would never would never admit that, but I'm like, dude, I watched you on Spawn transform into a copycat of Todd. <laughs> so, sorry, man. <laughs> um, uh, there there's there's something about that mentality of people not getting what Superman is these days yeah um is mind-blowing to me but you know it happens to me more often i wouldn't have roy's rants if i didn't encounter this right <laughs> and i mean that's what i can say about superman as lois is that the writers get the character i mean i think i mean the show has forced drama and some at some points because i mean they've got teenage boys and i mean it's a cw show it has to yeah. have a little bit of that and I mean, they do 13 to 15 episodes a season, so they have to drag it out somehow. But it's acted well enough where it doesn't bother me too much, but I could see like people tuning those parts out. But the Superman and Lois stuff and all the acting is really good. Um, and I would, if, and, I, and anybody that's not like wanting to watch Supergirl all the way through, I would definitely recommend watching the episodes he's in because he's, he's a lot of fun. And his chemistry with Melissa Benoist is really good. I think I need I need to do this for my own well-being. I, I I need to take time, and so like my family, they'll pick a show to binge watch. We're almost done with Game of Thrones, rewatching it. Um, I want to sit down and start watching Arrow, and then move on to Flash, and Legends, and Supergirl, and Star Girl. There's so much. There's just so much. Yeah, that you almost can't really sit down and watch it. You need to kind of just put it on in the background, and look up occasionally, because just you're just gonna be there forever. Right. Um, and it's a lot of television. It's a lot of hours of programming that that from the DC universe. So it's like Marvel has sucked at TV shows, or I should say, they've had mild success. DC has had great success with TV shows, and yet DC has mild success with movies these days. But Marvel has a huge success, obviously. Um. And I can say, like, to me, Disney Plus, Marvel shows, they don't really count as, like, network TV shows. They're mini-movies. Pretty much. So I, I don't really call that Marvel television, really. Um, but, yeah, I, I got to sit down and actually watch this. I do think he looks apart. I do think he acts apart. I think Lois, this Lois definitely gives me a little bit of Erica Durant, a little bit of uh, Margot Kidder. And all she looked a lot like Margot Kidder. Like, it's... It's kind of yeah, creepy. Not, like, like I'm looking at it right now, and I'm like, I see Margot, but I also see a little bit of um, Monica from Friends. Why am I forgetting her name? Um, <coughs> Courtney Cox. A little bit of Courtney yeah, Cox. Yeah, sure. Um, and, and like I said, Margot, I love Margot at the same time. Like, she just has kind of... To me, I could tell she was smoking 12 packs of cigarettes right before a shot. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, great actress. A lot of personal problems, but great actress. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I think, I mean, that brings us to Justice League. Uh, do you think that Justice League is a more optimistic movie than Man of Steel and Donna Justice, or is it just me? Well, Justice League, because this is the thing, you have two versions. You have Justice League finished by um, Joss Whedon, Joss Whedon. Right. And you have Justice League, the Zack Snyder cut. I, I'm talking about the Snyder cut. 
See, I feel because because I'm talking I'm talking Joss here. If you go back and watch Joss, it's got a warmer color palette. It does. There, there are more. There's more lightness and comedy in there. And Superman is wearing his red and blue suit back. He is acting more like Superman. He they brought in the John Williams score for him and the Tim Burton score which fits those characters so well for Batman and Superman that whenever it played in theater, when I heard, I'm like, oh, Batman theme. And then when Superman showed up and it was like, I'm like, yes, this is fantastic. And yet everybody poo-pooed on this movie. And I guarantee you people would not have poo-pooed on Justice League movie had Batman v Superman not been such a shit show. I do feel it was residual hatred about that last movie coming on to this one. Because um, if you recall, people like the Wonder Woman movie. But it was the Batman and the Superman part where they're like, meh, meh. Um, and, and then you get to the, the, the Snyder cut where he's like, drain all the color out of this. I do not want Superman in his red and blue suit. He needs to wear the black suit. Um, I don't want him making quips. I don't. The, the only joke is Iris West getting a hot dog to her face, so it's a dick joke. Wow. <laughs> that 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 was the thing that pissed me off. Everybody's like, I can't believe Joss Whedon did that whole flash landing on Wonder Woman thing. How crude! He's such a sexist pig. Blah 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 blah. I'm like, Zach put a freaking dick joke. He had hot dogs slapping up against Iris's face. You can't tell me that ain't a phallic joke. I. If he swears, he's like, I didn't know. F you, Zach. Uh, yeah, both scenes are inappropriate. Yeah. It's weird. But, both but both of them like, were weird. I feel like, yeah, both of them are inappropriate, but on a level of more inappropriate, an actual penis-like object slapping a girl in the face, way up there. Yeah. Uh, way up there. Um, the 20-minute the listening to the uh, lady chant as Aquaman goes back into the ocean. Didn't need that. <laughs> that I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I I do feel Joss Whedon's Justice League is, is the better version and it has the better Superman. I, I will honestly, that whole first opening five minutes of hearing Henry Cavill scream as he dies in the Zack Snyder movie. I'm like, Jesus, I get it. He died already. I know you're trying to say that his death caused the cataclysm of his death activated the whole like let's go to earth but what kills me about that remember how i said in man of steel he'll set up scenes and then i'll set up the next scene that contradicts the scene they keep talking about in Zack snyder's thing where they need to find the mother box they don't know where the mother box is but then they show a whole full flashback scene where dark side loses in a battle on earth over the mother box and we know the mother box was taken from him on earth Gee, I wonder where the mother box might be. Dipshit. Yeah. <laughs> that 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 stuff again, the contradictory things like that Zack Snyder just leaves in the movie because he doesn't think like he doesn't think it through. And you know, I just don't know. Um, and also he loves making Superman bad, doesn't he? Yeah, but he's not the first person to do that. Um he's not. Injustice did it. I mean, I've, I mean, even Superman the Animated Series did that. I know. It just seemed like a focus for him, though. Yeah. It definitely feels like a focus. Um, 
I guess, I don't know. I, I guess I feel like he course corrected somewhat. Like there's lighter tones in Justice League than some of his other DC movies. Like, uh, like I feel like even Batman is a bit more optimistic in the film. Um, Cyborg is definitely the heart of the movie, which I, oh, yeah. I, I, yeah. I, I like. I agree with that. I, that that's the one thing with the Joss Whedon cut where like we don't need Cyborg I'm like yeah you do Cyborg was good I, I like Cyborg I hate that Ray Fisher doesn't want to come back I hate that like you know Hamada uh, didn't help him out talking to Joss I, I also kind of I don't want to be that guy but like Terrence Howard wanting more money to be in Iron Man 2 that kind of shit where like you're the actor you're like I want you to realize you're a great actor but you're playing Rhodey you're not Iron Man. You're Rhodey. Right. And people, the general public, comic book nerds know who War Machine is. General public don't know a shit about Iron Man. Same thing for Cyborg. Besides people who love Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go, no, modern day audiences don't know who Cyborg is. So having most of your scenes cut, I know it sucks. I know, you know, I know you don't like being downplayed or everything and you feel like you were being downplayed, but I'm like, you are playing like the lowest level on this thing and it's a shame you should have got your own damn movie before this that's the thing that really pisses me off is that he didn't get his own movie before he showed up here that would have been it wouldn't have been a problem you know what i mean yeah um but but the, the thing i do say about the whole Zack Snyder just league versus joss just league it still tells the same story it's the same damn story you just it's it's what I I always said when when Zack Snyder's Justice League came out and I watched it. I basically said this is why editors exist. Um, well, they originally planned it to be two movies, um, Justice League Part One and Justice League Part Two. But I don't know where the first movie would have ended, and I think that's the problem they ran into. They're like, well, how do we split this up? Well, I feel like that's something you should have planned on the beginning stages and not like millions and millions of dollars into it. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that that's, that's been the problem since, you know, Man of Steel. That I don't think they uh, started with Man of Steel hoping to do, you know, a bunch of movies where, you know, like with Iron Man, they're like, okay, we're going to do six movies. And if it doesn't work out, we'll stop. But we're planning to do six movies leading up, leading up to the Avengers. And that's what they should have done before Man of Steel. Yeah, no, they should have had a plan. Um, but let's just face facts. DC Warner does not have faith in their characters besides Batman and Superman. They never <laughs> have. Um, they it's, barely it's have faith better. in Superman these days. It's getting better. Like they, getting better. I mean, if you told me that 20 years ago we'd have a Black Adam film, I'd be like, there's no way they're going to make a film about Black Adam. That, that Nobody knows who Black Adam is. They're doing a Shazam film and they're making a sequel. Holy crap, what? <laughs> yeah, no, I... Um, I, they are doing better, and the announcement... Um, I can't remember the name of the guy. Um, with uh, DCU Studio. Or is it DC Studios now? I can't even remember. It's DC Studios, isn't it? DC Studios. So you got James Gunn. And what was the other guy? Why, why is it, it's all James Gunn? Uh, 
James Gunn and another guy. Why can't I feel bad for him? He's like, I have a name. <laughs> DC Studios, new execs. You got a cough going on there. Tell me you got the big COVID. No, uh, it's it's not that. It's allergies. Same, same. I've been like <clears throat> dying lately. I'm like, this is going to be Peter Safran. That's the guy. Peter Safran and James Gunn. Um, I, I the the announcement of those two taking over. Um, I hope him and Zaslav go to fight and Gun Gun kicks his ass. <laughs> I hope they don't like refer to Zaslav on stuff. Like I hope Zaslav doesn't cut in and be like, "Hey, since this is going on H- HBO, you need to stop doing this." And I hope Gun's like, "Screw you! I'm doing what I want." Yeah, I hope they let Gun just do his thing um i think yeah. that's a thing choice to have him be basically their kevin feige and uh he clearly loves comic book movies i would love to see him do something that's a bit out of his wheelhouse just because i mean he always does kind of like weird zany movies i would love to see him do I, I mean he's talked about doing a superman movie i'd be curious to see how that would turn out well, I mean, I don't know if they're going to give him a director chair. Like, I hope, like, see, for right now, I'm like, if you're the head of the DC, I want you to focus on that job. I don't want you split in, like, 40 different ways. I want you to be able to plan it out like Feige. You know, we didn't ask Feige to direct a movie. He just kind of spearheaded the whole movement. So yeah. as much as I love Gunn as a director for this, for right now, while he's setting up a plan, do the plan. Work to the plan. Get the plan going. Get the right people involved. You know, you 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 control the narrative on this thing like people are apparently clamoring to for him to release the david ayer cut the suicide squad and legends tomorrow i'd love to see both i'd love to see yeah. legends tomorrow keep going and i'd love to see the air cut like, I, I whenever i see the cw cancels another dc project i'm like ah even though i know i'm i'm responsible i i'm part of the people who aren't watching anymore because it's just so much i get it but i hate seeing it get canceled so when they get saved it's cool um i hope you know I hope they really do listen to James because I remember when like Hamada because it, it was like Jim Lee and Jeff Johns in the beginning were going to head the DC universe. They were going to kind of spearhead what was going on. But you can kind of tell Walter Hamada and the other executives and everything were just totally cutting them up from under their legs. Like they were not allowed to like do what fighting could do. Uh, so because I was like, well, Jeff Johns has made some of my favorite comic books in the last 10, 15 years, like at the time when they announced this stuff, I'm like, why is it these movies are not feeling like he has anything to do with them or whatever? So I I could be wrong. Maybe he has a lot to do with it. He just crapped the bed when it came to movies versus books. But now, and I mean, I don't think all the movies are going to be like a bunch of wacky, zany characters and some CG uh, funny characters hanging out with each other going on adventures. I don't think he's going to keep using that pattern. Yes, I understand that the Suicide Squad is basically Guardians of the Galaxy, but people die. Um, but it was fun. It was entertaining. Um, I totally dug it, except for Captain Boomerang. I was like, don't kill my precious Captain Bo- Oh, you killed him. <laughs> um, but it, but it, I think I think it was great that Gunn was able to approach DC, well, Warner, and be like, look, you got the Suicide Squad thing, but you only killed like two people. It's the Suicide Squad. Right. You should bring in a giant team of idiot losers that you guys aren't going <laughs> to... You're, you're not going to market the weasel. You're not going to market javelin toys. You know what I mean? So, you know, 
kill them off. It's fine. It's cool. DC has a plethora of characters that those guys you can kill. I'm not talking Slaughter Jimmy Olsen or Dr. Emil. I'm not talking about important characters. I'm talking about the freaking Javelin. Nobody gives a shit about Javelin. Yeah. You, know, you can um, kill Count Vertigo. You can kill, you know, Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Nobody gives a shit about those guys. I just hope they stay out of his way. Because, I mean, Warner Brothers in general has this track record. Even going back, I mean, going back all the way to Richard Donner, they hired him and then they, like, kept trying to sabotage the movie. Like, no, it needs to be campier and funnier. And he's like, you hired me to do this. Why do you keep making this more difficult than it needs to be? And then they end up firing him halfway through Superman 2. I find it amazing, the ego of the Hollywood exec, that even though if you watch any of the behind the scenes of any of the movies that go wrong, nine times out of 10, you'll see it's production interference and slash budgets that screw the movie and cause a negative reaction. You look at you look at how <clears throat> aliens and how between aliens and alien three they screwed themselves by second guessing constantly changing stuff and then alien three not letting the director direct his movie constantly interfering and battling him why yeah why do you keep doing this but i mean you never you never hear about the disney executives coming in and messing with kevin feige like you've never heard that well no and i mean it obviously will... worked they will clean house if something goes wrong if they're filming like solo and they realize that like oh man these guys are being goofballs and they're costing us money and they're not following the script they will nip that stuff in the butt but they don't they they have a, they have a huge track record of if they course correct they course correct once and that's it <clears throat> they're like you know what got a new director in let's roll and they do and it works out like ant-man Supposed to be that director's project. It was um, Edgar Wright. You know, yeah, it was Edgar Wright originally, which I love Edgar Wright. I don't know what exactly went wrong, but they had a change. Still, the movie came out fantastic. Absolutely love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, you're right. If Warner Brothers, Discovery, HBO, all the powers that be that are involved in these DC, if they would just let one person have a vision and work it out. I, I could see DC kind of making a turnaround. And like I said, it's not that all the DC movies are bad. No, not at all. They're not bad. It's just that they don't have enough connective tissue to be like, man, I really want to go back and rewatch that. Or, you know, like, oh, that makes sense. That, that adds up to that. Like, you had a Justice League movie that, you know, nobody cares about that Justice League movie. You know what I mean? Like, I can't, I don't go back and rewatch it. Either version. It's not, it's not something that's even like, and I know Avengers is like the most plain, basic movie concept, you know, alien invasion. So the heroes have to get together to stop the MacGuffin that's causing more aliens to invade. Um, but still, it's got enough connective tissue. It's got a history behind it. And it's got enough fun scenes that makes me want to rewatch it. Justice League just, it just feels like if, if I were to give a, if I were to give it one sound, one term, I would say, bleh, just bleh, all over the wall. Like, here you go. Here's everything. <laughs> <laughs> but it does seem like they're gaining traction again, especially with bringing Henry Cavill back as Superman. And it sounds like they're planning on doing a lot of projects with him as the character, hence leaving him leaving The Witcher, which, I mean, there's other reasons for that, but that's a whole nother thing. Yeah. Um, but, um, so what do you how do you feel about the future of superman whether 
with Henry Cavill projects? Should Zack Snyder be involved? I mean, they're talking about doing one-offs too with different actors, which I, I think they can do both. Like, I mean, the comics I, have done that for years. Personally, I don't care for the fact that there are right now three cinematic Jokers, technically. Um, you know what I mean? Like, you've got the working yeah, Phoenix that Joker's I... Joker's been overdone, in my yeah. opinion. So this weird thing where they're going to do, like, multiple versions on things, it's like, guys, I don't... I don't know how else to say this. Like, stop muddying up the waters. Keep it simple. Um, you can do the multiverse thing with Flash and stuff if you ever decide to release that film if Ezra Miller ever calms the hell down. Um, I'd love to see Michael Keaton back as Batman. I'd love to see Henry Cavill. I'd love to see Ben Affleck as Batman. Again, another actor who got a part. He just got in shitty movies. Oh, he's great with Batman. I don't have a problem with Affleck. Never did. Um, in fact, yeah, the patents in Batman, that script was originally for Affleck. Yep. <laughs> so annoying. I'm like, really? Uh, um, you know, I hate that they had a plan to have Deathstroke fighting Batman in a movie and they, they cast the guy. They did a whole scene just for nothing. I'm like, God. So I, I hope mean, Gunn, I hope Gunn like looks at that and says, you did this and this. What, what happened? Why did you drop that? We need to bring it back. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think, I think it's just rumors right now, but it sounds like they're bringing Affleck back as well. And I mean, if they can do him and Joe Mangolo in the same movie as those characters, it would be pretty cool. I want to see, I want to see Gunn do basically course correction, not reboots. That's what I want. I want, I want them to say yes, Justice League. And they've been doing that. You know, like Black Adam has Amanda Waller in there. The Justice League is on a monitor. The Justice Society is an established superhero group. So they are doing ties. Like they are trying to keep their connective tissue going. Yeah. Even though they release stuff like Joker and the Batman. Um, I just, I just kind of, and I'm not, I'm not trying to poo-poo on Pattinson Batman. I, I don't know. I would rather they move forward with the unified stuff than... Here's all the unified stuff and the strange weird thing <laughs> that's super dark and super serious. I, I Pattinson's Batman should go to HBO Max. I feel like it worked better. It worked better as a TV show anyway. I agree. We haven't had a Batman TV show since the '60s. I mean, what's up with that? It's so yeah. weird to me. Every time they talk about it, they scrub it before it ever gets anywhere, or it's always uh, Alfred Pennyworth Butler to Batman or Bruce yeah. Wayne before Batman. I'm like, can you just suck it up and do a Batman? If you're not seen Daredevil, it can be done. <laughs> right. Yeah, totally. I I would love for Batman 2 to be turned into a television project. And I feel, I mean, watching the first Batman movie, I walked out of there going, this is a TV show. I just watched a really long pilot. And yeah. Nothing wrong with that. It's just not movie Batman, I don't think. I personally don't feel that way. So, um, do you I, think I'm, that? Go ahead. I'm hopeful for Cavill coming back. Um, I would love for them to muck around, and I know the lawyers won't let it happen. TV Flash, TV Superman, t- you know, movie Flash, movie Superman. Like, they'll do it the TV way, but they won't do it the movie way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I, I just can't. I, it's not going to happen. But uh, you know, I have hope. I have hope as soon. As soon as I saw Cavill 
in you know in Shazam or in Black Adam after there were so many rumors that he wasn't um, I'm happy I'm happy where DC is going and do you think Snyder's going to be involved in the next Superman movie either as director or producer producer I'll say producer I don't think like here's the thing HBO Max invested a shit ton of money in Zack Snyder's Justice League to try and sell the app that was the goal was to get subscriptions for the app it did nothing. It did not raise viewership. In fact, The Batman, when it came out that first week, um, it got more numbers than Zack Snyder's Justice League. So it's not, it, you. as much as the Snyder heads restore the Snyderverse, as much as they obsess over that, it's not a proven financial commodity. It, he has not proven himself financially for them. So I would say he, he's an executive producer or a producer. I don't think, I think we need a new director. I hate to say it, but I, I, I agree. I, I mean, I hope with everything that he, he's been through that maybe he would make a more optimistic Superman movie. Um, and I mean, there are hints of that. It's not like Superman is completely like brooding and dark in all three of Zack Snyder's films that he's made with Cavill um, there are hints that he understands the character um, and you know but I, I think I I want him involved because I mean he was obviously he, he helped to get Henry Cavill cast as the character um, and he's done good work in the DC universe he's also done a lot of damage though <laughs> yep that too I mean it's it's, it's it's a give and take, but I, I mean, Zach is at his best when he has good writers behind him to help him flesh out his ideas. We'll see. We'll see. Well, that is all that we have time for right now. I got to do some things like work <laughs> on my birthday. <laughs> I do got some stuff to do today before I celebrate. Um, uh, you want to go ahead and uh, pitch your latest offerings where we can find your books? Uh, well, you can find my books on Amazon under A. Charles Ross, either the Phantom Lock series or the Half Angel series. Uh, with NaNoWriMo, I'm currently working on my next book, uh, which is called, I just gave it a title, it's called <laughs> Of Hearts and Organs. Uh, I don't know when that's going to be out, but it'll be out at some point. Um, but yeah. <laughs> Okay, and I am Roy Stiffy. You can find my stuff at Croctopus Art on Twitter, uh, Croctopus Art on Facebook, also under the name Roy Stiffy. Uh, in Instagram, you can see a lot of art there. Um, and I also have a T Public uh, site for t shirt designs under Croctopus Art. Um, I will be having some book projects. Uh, we're going to debut some Kickstarters here in January for a couple of book projects and some movie projects. So be on the lookout for that, and I'll have more announcements for that later. All right. Well, it was fun ranting about Superman. I will, uh, I guess uh, this is goodbye. We'll see you next time. Say goodbye. All right. See you around. <laughs> see you around. Thanks for listening, guys. Bye-bye. Hello and welcome 
to Season 2, Episode 1 of Roy's Rants. I'm your host, Roy Stiffy. And uh, the season opener, we're just going to do kind of a year in review of last year. We're going to talk about stuff that I talked about last year and a little mishmash kind of thing. We're going to talk about a fun little vacation I went on uh, towards the end of the year. Um, pardon me if I pause a little bit. I'm having uh, allergy issues, which makes breathing kind of sucky. So I do this thing, plus I'm yawning. How professional. Yawning within the first uh, minute of the podcast. But anyway, so yeah, 2022 was quite the interesting year. Uh, I found myself keeping my keeping myself incredibly busy with being a freelance artist full time. Um, many different projects from custom painting figures to doing logo design for people's stores and all sorts of different things in between. Uh, I believe we did a couple of, uh, we did like one or two little uh, commercials for uh, campaign ads, stuff like that. Nothing huge, mind-blowing. I did publish, uh, self-publish a uh, kid's kids book called Jumbles, Grumbles, Rumbles. You can find it on Amazon uh, in both paperback and digital form for your Kindle. Um... I do need to go back and re-edit it and do some polish. I need to talk to the author, all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I did I did get a book published this past year. So I can say that was, you know, that's an accomplishment. Um, my craft uh, kind of, I don't want to say that I kind of stagnated my craft, but I feel like I was kind of stuck in a lurch. So this year, we are going to, we're going to, we're going to do it up a little bit different uh, for one. I want to try and do Roy's rants once a week, uh, for the most part. I want to get I want to get in one every week. You can expect an episode from me every week. If I'm just talking a little bit here, a little bit there, not a big deal. Uh, what have you? I already have a podcast set up for next week. Week we will talk about Superman or no Supergirl. We already talked about Superman in the last episode, the finale of last year. But we are going to talk about Supergirl. Um, which uh, here's a little hint: I don't hate it. So there's there's some new uh, bit there. Uh, I think, uh, you know, and, and uh, we also have another podcast, uh, Hopelessly Lost and Forever Delusional with my friend Terry Bordis, where we will uh, talk about uh, Evil Dead Rise and Terrifier 2. This is the podcast that I've been trying to do for about two months now, two, three months now, trying to this damn Terrifier movie. Uh, Terry and I have been trying to get a podcast to talk about it. I'm on one end, he's on the other. Um, if you know how I feel about the first Terrifier movie, you'll know how I feel about Terrifier 2. Um, I will say this for the sake of uh, my podcast. I like the actor who plays Art the Clown. I like Art the Clown. I like the character, the mannerism and stuff like that. He took over the role uh, after someone else had played All Hallows Eve, but I think his face is used in the imagery for All Hallows Eve, because I swear it looks exactly the same as him. Like, same bone structure and everything. But, um, and I, I did notice in segments of All Hallows Eve, he looked off, a little weird, so I thought it was the makeup, it's actually a different actor. Um, I like him. It's the movies that I have a problem with, but, you know, we'll go into detail on that on my friend's podcast. We want to do a podcast every week. That's one goal. The other goal I have is I have several projects on Kickstarter. We're going to do, um, we're going to bring back the old comic book that my friend Terry and I worked on back in high school and art school where we used to sell and self-publish going to conventions and stuff. 
we had 12 issues out of this book called Dark Hearts. And um, yeah, we got 12 out. I think there was there was a 13th that we were working on and then it just kind of sputtered out. We're going to go back. We're going to go back. Uh, we're going to have a Kickstarter, try to get some publishing. And if it doesn't work out, if the Kickstarter doesn't work out, I am going to find a way to self-publish again. I will. I mean, I, I do auctions. I'm planning on going back into the workforce. Yay! Um, going back to the old store I used to work at. Um, and just work for a little bit. I don't want to... I don't want to be management. I do not want to be management. And it's one of those things that like every time I went back to that store, I've, I, I worked there twice. And every time they're like, you need to be a manager. We make you a manager. You get more money. And I fall for it. And I end up getting burned out. Well, the first time it was the start of COVID and my one manager was an absolute piece of garbage. Uh, she got fired. I actually I actually helped play in a part in her getting fired. So uh, karma's a bitch. <laughs> got a little sweet taste of revenge. But... Um, we, you know, I, I, I quit shortly after um, COVID started heating up. I couldn't take it anymore. Um, and I found out they were going to take, they were going to take my position away. And I was like, well, F you, I'm done. Um, so I quit on them. And then I uh, called corporate and laid out all the shit that had happened. And uh, she got fired. So there was that. Now I came back a second time at this store that I shall not name. And I had a great time. The problem was I took the job, I took the promotion and I got so busy that I lost track of my artwork. And so this year, you know, like, well, like the end of the end of summer, there was a big transition there with management. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to go to, and it wasn't, it wasn't a bad time. It wasn't like, I didn't leave on bad terms. I just left on the fact that like, I need to focus on my artwork. Now this time around, if I do this, if I do this, um, I'm going to talk to the manager there next week about it and see what, you know, if they have any openings, if they even have any openings, if they don't, no sweat off my back. I'll just keep doing what I got to do. Uh, my main, my main purpose for that is just to kind of like keep a little tiny little steady paycheck going on. Cause that was one of the things that really kind of pressured me this past year was I was not focusing on any of my goals because I had to keep pushing for these auctions and I kept making more and more commissions uh, at even cheaper prices and losing my mind. Um, and I was kind of devaluating myself as an artist. So we need to we need to pull a revamp. We need to not kill ourselves on the commissions. Now, I know you could say, it's like, well, Roy, if you work at the retail, isn't that just going to be more of the same, only you'll get paid less? I said, well, you know, one of the things I need to try and do, if I do take a retail job, um, well, I want to do that because, you know, in, in this world, if you apply for a credit card and you don't have a major, major business, you're just a small business, like like an independent little guy like me, guess what? They're like, you're unemployed, sucker. Get out of here. You don't make enough money. Piss off. We don't want your credit card. So if I have two sources of income, I probably have a better chance of getting credit cards. So we want to, we, I want to improve my credit this year. My credit is zero, zilch, zero, none, you know, because I had a credit card back whenever I was in art school into uh, my 20s. Um, I actually think I had two and I had student loans. I was paying it all off. I even had, I even had, if you guys can remember, Columbia House, uh, CD of the month uh, club. Uh, I actually paid that. I didn't just do it. Like I was, I was a every month sign me up for the latest uh, alternative rock grunge uh, CDs. And I was getting tons of shit back then. And then I got a girlfriend and then I got, I got a girlfriend 
And it got mucky. It got like, hey, we're broke all of a sudden. I don't know why we're broke. Oh, that's right, because you quit your job and I'm supporting two people now and a car payment that wasn't mine and, and all the other bills and I'm getting no help from this person and I have to take her out every weekend to entertain her. Would you know it? I fell behind on my credit cards, so I had to cancel them all, and I just I got so terrified of doing credit, I never bothered with credit for the next couple years, and that's my own dumbass fault. Um, because I got free of her later on, I should I should have just signed up as soon as I got free of her. I should have realized that wasn't I wasn't the problem in the situation. So anyway, twenty twenty two. What a year. Uh, we started off the podcast talking about Candyman and Malignant. I loved the new Candyman. I don't necessarily think it needs a sequel. Um, if they end up... like the, the funny thing about these legacy uh, reboots or legacy sequels and stuff like that, for the most part, like the reboots type stuff, like the, the Freddy and the Jason, they did really well in the box office, but they had such negative press that the companies that made them are like, we're not powering through on a sequel, we'll just reboot again. So, like, they don't have the staying power of the franchise of the 80s. Candyman, I think, could, but at the same time, it's such a perfect movie by itself that it's, um, you know, it, it's it's definitely being, it's worth being a standalone movie. I don't really need a franchise 